You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Animaniacs, welcome to the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker. I operate NeedlessThingsSite.com, which is the home of the Needless Things Podcast, and where you can find five articles a week, or sometimes more, about those things that I just mentioned. All the, the geeky, dorky, whatever stuff that we all love. All right. We got to get this show on the road today because we've got a ton of show. I've got a ton of stuff to do because Dragon Con is well. When is it? It starts Friday, but it starts Thursday. But some people are going to be down there Wednesday, and apparently there are people walking around the Marriott in costumes right now as I record this on Sunday night. It's ridiculous. I've got so much stuff I have to do. I still have two full work days ahead of me. Tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, which would be today for you guys, because I'm putting this up on Monday, early in the week, because I want to be sure you have it as a resource to guide you through Dragon Con. And if I put this thing up on Friday, like I normally do, nobody would listen to it, because we're all going to be at Dragon Con. Nobody's going to be listening to podcasts. Okay, people in the podcast track, I guess, will be listening to podcasts live, uh, but I'm not doing one of those, because I, I don't have an in. I can't get in with those guys, but that's okay because I'm going to be recording all the panels I do, and we're looking to record a live episode of the Needless Things podcast at some point. I don't know when, and I don't know if that will happen, but we're going to try. So anyway, today, Monday, Dragon Con week, we've got a big, big show because finally it is time for my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, the hardest working man in puppetry, to tell you about what's happening with the puppetry track this year. We have a great talk, we have a fun talk, and I will tell you right now, uh, we, we cover it all, and there's lots of puppet stuff you need to know. Steve Whitmire, Carol Spinney, it's, it's a huge year for the puppetry track, so I'm really excited to have Bo on the show. Uh, what else is going on? Well, I've, today, today, just a few hours ago, we finished our final rehearsal for the Dirty, Dirty Con, Con Game, Game Show, Show, and you're not going to get sick of hearing that, believe you me. Uh, we just did it. Everybody was here. Miss Lady Flex was here. Rad Ranger was here. Other special guests were here, and we fine-tuned some things. We had some fun. We, we've got it nailed. We are good to go for Saturday night at 10 p.m. in the Marriott, rooms M303 and 304, behind the Kinko's. It's not Kinko's now, it's FedEx. Behind the FedEx store. I'll never get used to that. You want to be there. You definitely want to be there. Go in the app, and I don't know why, but it's not called by the correct name, but it's because there there are a lot of steps between the things that I type and the things that get published in the Dragon Con publications so like what it says is con con game game show show and then the description is like uh, come out for prizes and fun 
and that's it. I wrote like a great paragraph, and I understand you can't put that in the pocket program because if everybody wrote a paragraph, the pocket program would weigh 50 pounds, and it wouldn't be a pocket program anymore. I understand, but there is a huge disparity between what I want to get across about our game show and what actually was published, but that's okay because I've got you guys to spread the word. I've got Facebook to spread the word, which, by the way, join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group if you have not already, and you can learn about this. And right now, I'm going to tell you how you can win a free set of underoos. That's right. This episode, once again, is brought to you by Original Underoos, which you can find at underoos.com. The underwear that's still fun to wear. If you're my age, you remember underoos. They launched a line of superhero-inspired underwear in 1977, and it was Star Wars, and it was uh, superheroes. It was everything. It was the best underwear ever. Well, underoos are back, and not only are they making them for the kids, they're making them for the grown-ups, too, because they know we're the nerds that still want to wear underoos, because we remember them, and we collect toys, and we collect things from the past, and why wouldn't our underwear reflect the same things? So they've got all new styles, all new sizes go to underoos.com see what they have available and if you would like some free underoos please send an email to phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com subject underoos in the body you're going to want to tell me your favorite existing style or maybe even your favorite style when you were a kid because they haven't they haven't reproduced everything yet so tell me your favorite underoos that exist then tell me your your character that you would like to see or style you would like to see because some of the underoos they're not always you know my favorites are boba fett they have the mandalorian chest plate and then the the belt uh but you know they also have like screen printed ones with wicked or princess leia on them so they've got different stuff so tell me what you want to see i will pass it along to underoos because they're looking for new ideas for new designs because these things are taking off like crazy but anyway underoos.com check out what they've got let me know what you want shoot that email to phantom troublemaker at gmail.com subject underoos and i'm giving somebody uh probably at the end of september a free set of underoos who doesn't like free underwear right and you can help determine the future of nerd underwear for all eternity. Okay, so underoos, good to go. What else? Needlessthingssite.com, good to go. That's where we are. That's where you can find all the good stuff that the Needless Things staff does. iTunes and Stitcher, you can download and find the Needless Things podcast. Now, the last few weeks, I have been playing music from Dragon Con. Uh, performers that are going to be at Dragon Con. We've heard Snoot, we've heard Hank West and the Smokin' Hots, we heard Frenchie and the Punk. Some really, really great stuff. Today I've got something a little different. I've got a very special interview with Anthony Taylor of Monsteramicon, which you can check out at uh, monsteramicon.com. And you can find out about his con and we'll have him back on before then to talk about it but today he's talking about the work that he's doing with the blood drive for dragon con so let me kick it on over to me interviewing anthony taylor it's time again for some dragon con stuff uh I, i'm really excited to have somebody new on the show a guy that hopefully will be back again but this time around he's got something very special that he's been working on 
and that is to do with the blood drive at DragonCon. Everybody knows about the blood drive. Uh, it is right behind the giant, massive knot of traffic that happens every year on Saturday, only they've moved it this year, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But first, I want to introduce uh, my special guest for this segment, Mr. Anthony Taylor. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, El Kabong. <laughs> I did. Thanks, thanks, Elf, Elf fan. I, what should I call you, man? Uh, I, just Phantom is fine. Okay, I'll just call you Phantom then. Um, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. I'm very excited about the blood drive. This is the first time I've ever really done, um, been involved with any of the charity stuff that Dragon Hunt does, and uh, it's been a great experience for me. And you've done, how, how did this come, one, how did you get involved, and two, how did you come up with the concept for, and I'll, I'll let you lay this down, this very special uh, thing that you're bringing to the blood drive? Um, I was contacted by Regina Kirby, who uh, is higher up um, Dragon Con management. She's uh, in charge of programming. And um, she wanted me to come in and talk with uh, some of the other people about another thing that they're doing, which is a, a Friday night um, charity event for uh, lymphoma research, I believe. Yes. Um, which is their Monster Mash uh, kind of ball. And, um, they, they knew I was a monster guy, so they wanted to, uh, kind of pick my brain on that. And so I'm doing some, uh, a little bit of, uh, work with them on that to get some, um, uh, things projected for the, up on the walls and, uh, and some other stuff going on, some, some people running around in cool costumes for that event. And it occurred to me when I was talking with them, um, that the blood drive was kind of under the same, management uh um people that i was speaking with and i had thought a couple of years ago i had a friend who had dressed up as um the christopher lee dracula and gone over and posed for pictures and stuff with the people at the drive and i was like would it be cool if dracula was the mascot so i suggested to them that maybe i could get in touch with with bella lugosi's family at lugosi enterprises and uh see if they would be interested in having that happen having actually bella lugosi be the mascot for the drive and everybody kind of agreed with me that that seemed like a pretty natural um convergence yeah and so i got in touch with the lugosis and they also agreed and they were they're very um uh, they're very charity kind of minded people and um were very interested in learning about dragon con they had no idea that there were conventions this large and uh, they had zero idea that there were conventions that had blood drives that get 32 to 3500 pints donated over the course of four days so they were on board we had it all worked out uh, so that everybody was happy with the agreement and so this year if you are walking around the convention you will see some rather large um banners that feature Bela Lugosi's photograph and, and they say, I want to draw your blood. <laughs> it's got directions on and information on how to get to the blood drive. And then everyone who donates blood gets a uh, special limited edition t-shirt that features Bela Lugosi and uh, an illustration of him, specifically by uh, Carrie Gamble, who's a very uh, talented comic book artist and the publisher of Monsterverse Comics. Well, it's that's what caught my eye is uh, you had a post up with the image of Lugosi with the dragon con dragon. Uh, just it, it's a beautiful image. I mean, without even knowing what it is, it caught my eye, and I, I went and found out about the blood drive. And you know, I always kind of think about the blood drive because it's such it's such a big thing that Dragon Con does, 
and it's certainly a worthy and fairly easy to do thing, but usually within five minutes of getting to Dragon Con, I'm pretty inebriated. So <laughs> this this year I'm going to make an effort to as soon as I get down there on Thursday, uh, to give some blood and get one of these awesome T shirts. I mean it, this really is a fantastic before, design. Before you get too much uh, blood in the alcohol stream, you want to get some out and Get a, get a T-shirt. I get it, man. Uh, well, that you know, the hope was that um, when I started thinking about this, was that it would be being able to kind of put that that familiar face and that um, I don't know, kind of iconic um, sort of a you know, if it's Bela Lugosi, everybody thinks of Dracula. Yeah. You know? He did he did hundreds of movies, but everybody thinks Dracula when they think about Bela Lugosi. So I'm hoping that having that familiar icon there uh, will really kind of motivate a lot of people who might not otherwise donate to come in and, and give some blood. Because we all need it sooner or later, you know. Well, and it is, I mean, it's, it is eye-catching. Like I said, without even knowing what it was, you see that, and you're going to kind of follow it up and see what's going on here. And one thing that I mentioned at the beginning, usually the blood drive is in the Marriott, uh, kind of behind one of the major traffic uh, convergences. Now, uh, Thursday and Friday, they're going to have rooms in the Hilton on the Galleria level and in the Sheraton uh, in the Atlanta rooms. And then the rest of the weekend, it'll all be in the Hilton on the Galleria level. That's correct. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, though. It's my understanding that the possibility is that Marvel Comics um, came in and offered a lot of money for the space that they were that they were occupying. And so there may be some sort of Marvel thing going on in that in that area. But huh, uh, that's interesting. They'll be, very, they'll be very easy to find. And like I said, you'll see a bunch of these banners around. Um, set up so that people will not have too much trouble finding it. Yeah, and that that's the the key thing is that you you always have not only the banners but the volunteers that are out correct uh, directing people around. Which which you know bless those guys for hanging out and and actually being an active part of this cause. Absolutely, and I think also at the at the Monster Mash Ball on Friday night, there will probably be uh, a banner up and some T shirts so that so that people can see, you know, what they will be missing if they don't go down and donate. Well, cool. What uh, I think we've covered that pretty well, but that is not all you're doing at DragonCon. Where else, uh, what, what are a few things you can put over where we can catch you at DragonCon? I know you've got some exciting stuff going on. I do. I've got a very busy schedule, at least for the first day or two of DragonCon. On Friday uh, at 10 a.m., I'm going to be interviewing uh, Julian Glover um, about his work in the James Bond movies and uh, the Hammer Horror stuff and Game of Thrones and everything else that he's done, which is, uh, he's had a pretty amazing career. And, and as Scare-Off uh-huh. from Doctor Who, which is Correct. my favorite role of his. Yeah, he's been, if it's, if it's you know, a British institution, he's appeared in it at some point. He was he was General Veers in Empire Strikes Back. and Yes. Yeah, he's, he's just done tons of stuff. So that's exciting. And then I'm uh, hoofing it up to... Uh, to the Westin from the Sheraton um, to do a Christopher Lee tribute panel in the horror track at 1130 on Friday. Uh, and then I've got a Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell panel on Friday afternoon and a exploitation film panel Friday night, I think, at 10 o'clock. Uh, and then the rest of the weekend is a bit of a blur to me. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to remember all the other stuff I'm doing, but I have, I have two different Christopher Lee panels 
uh, and uh, just a bunch of other stuff. You can, you, luckily, you can find me under my name, Anthony Taylor, on the app, and uh, and and hunt me down that way too. Very cool, and and also we can keep track of you online. Uh, where where are you on Twitter and Facebook? Uh, on Facebook, I'm just me, so uh, just Anthony Taylor. On on Twitter, I'm uh, at Go Anthony Taylor. Very cool, and. As, well, I'm sure you're already in the midst of preparations, but as soon as Dragon Con is over, uh, you have something else that's going to be taking up your attention. Yeah, I'm very, very much in the, in the throes of, of getting, um, my own convention, which is Monsterama, uh, prepped and ready for our October 2nd through 4th date this year here in Atlanta. And we can find the website is monsteramacon.com. Very cool. And, of course, there's a presence on Facebook as well. Sure. Check out the page. If you're if you're into classic monsters and horror and sci-fi and uh, all of that kind of cool stuff, you'll be uh, interested in what we're doing because we've got a bunch of great guests. We've got Riku Browning, and uh, who was the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, and uh, Larry Blamire from Lost Skeletons, Cadavra, and just a bunch of people. And we're doing 16-millimeter film screenings all weekend long, a bunch of panels, demos on special effects makeup and prop building and doing all kind of stuff. Yeah, our pal uh, Professor Morte will be back this year, right? He will, he will. He, he heads up our maker programming panel, or track, and uh, he does all kinds of very, very cool stuff over the weekend. We're going to have a big silver screen spook show showing of King Kong on Saturday, as a matter of fact. Beautiful. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on and talking about Dragon Con and the Blood Drive, and we will have you back before October to talk about Monsterama some more. Sounds great. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. All right. Okay. It's time to talk about the puppetry track at Dragon Con, and of course... I, do I even need to introduce this time? Because obviously my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, is here to talk about his track, his baby, the thing that without him would not be Bo. Let's talk puppetry. Let's talk puppetry. Hi, Phantom. How are you? I, I'm doing great. We're, we are taking care of two shows this evening, and uh, I am well into my delicious Captain Morgan black room. Ooh. Fancy. I'm a rum that sounds man. Sounds great. I'm a rum man. You're a rum man. I am. Yeah? I'm a I'm a whiskey and beer man. I you know what? I I'm warming up to whiskey. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it for years, but uh I've I've had a couple of good whiskey experiences lately. I'm just going to I'm going to carefully dip my toes as it were into the whiskey mm. pool. I've been looking to try to get get back more into vodka. Um Vodka's dangerous because really good vodkas you can't even taste. And and they can really be bad. Yeah, that's true. But let's talk about puppets instead of you know instead our version alcohol? alcoholism. Let's do an alcohol. <laughs> let's do an alcohol track after Dragon Con. Right. Be like, all right. Now that everyone needs a gorilla liver transplant, the, the drunk, um, the drunk track. the future is now. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So the puppetry track, right? Whoever thought uh, that it would be a thing, and then it became a thing. Well, um, and, the, and the thing. What what's so amazing about it? Is it so obvious because puppetry, you know, with all of the fandoms that pervade Dragon Con, puppetry runs through all of them. You cannot look at fantasy, you cannot look at science fiction, you cannot look at even even comic books, any any sort of media without puppetry. It can't be left out of any genre conversation. I I, I would agree with that. 
And, uh, and I think that that is where puppetry found its place at Dragon Con, was that once you thought about puppetry within the context of the movies and television shows, specifically within the realm of science fiction and fantasy, that there it was, sitting, just sitting there the whole time in plain sight. And not just stuff like Farscape. I mean, we're talking about the what opened my eyes. And I, I've told you this before, but for, for yeah. those listening, uh, this this will probably sort of help open the door a little bit. I One of the most fantastic panels I've ever seen at Dragon Con was the puppetry of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hannah Miller. Yes. God bless Hannah Miller. Hannah, unfortunately, can't be with us this year. And it breaks um, my she's... heart that she can't be here. She's got um, some health issues, and we're very, very sad that Hannah can't join us because she uh, is honestly. We've gotten more positive feedback about that about her Buffy panel than we do about almost anything we do. Her, well, you know, that panel has got so much love, uh, and and so it's just specificness, and that's what Dragon Con's about. It's about getting specific. Well, you she, know, about she, like one thing, and she does such a great she, job in that panel. She opened the door for me, and that's what it is, is you start with your fandom, and Buffy, to me, is one of the great television shows ever uh, in, in the top two, and I went to the panel because of that, and you realize, my gosh, there's puppetry all over Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then once you see it in something that you love, you can't help but recognize it in all of the other places. I mean, it's pervasive. Yeah. So that's what we try to do. You know, the, the mission of the puppetry track is twofold. One is to celebrate puppetry and pop culture because that's what Dragon Con's about. So we're all about, you know, and you can't talk about pop culture and puppetry without talking about the Muppets. Sure. So, I mean, they, they are the pop culture puppetry. You know, I mean, like I can, like I, I can literally look at Facebook right now, and what's trending over on the side is the fact that Kermit and Piggy are officially split. Oh man, dozens of times today I saw mm-hmm. that, and and you know what? <coughs> as as uh, entertainment wise, as sad as that is, it's also so absolutely delightful and rewarding to see that that is a thing on Facebook. Yep. That, and that's precisely the point. Like that is like, you could not put a, you could not use a better example to show pop cult, you know, puppetry's uh, footprint on pop culture that two puppets are in a rough <laughs> patch in their relationship. And it's, and it's news. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, so, so then there's that, but then the other side of that, and, you know, obviously Jim Henson's work is, is hugely influential on, on, you know, specifically if you look at generations and the 30 to 40 year old generation, that is a big section of Dragon Con. That's what we grew up on. We grew up on the Muppet show. We grew up on Fraggle Rock. We grew up on Sesame Street. Well, and it goes even beyond it's part that. of our cultural. It's part of our cultural DNA. It goes beyond that even because you know my parents, who are in their seventies now, were they introduced me to them. They watched the Muppet Show. It was a prime time show. It was, and prime time. they are they are not dorky at all, mm-hmm. but they 
that like that's how much Jim Henson captured the world's imagination is that straight laced Southern Baptist non dorky people were watching puppets on primetime TV blow each other up and eat each other yes and get thrown through the air yes. <laughs> you know everybody likes that everybody enjoys that it's you universal know? it is universal but then within when then once you take it take you know okay so we've got okay the large picture uh pop culture then we zoom in a little more for the specific geek culture now you're talking star wars right. which obviously jim henson had quite a big hand in uh and and or puppetry you know had had a huge hand in with with Yoda and then a lot of the creatures. Uh, and then you've got, you know, the other, the other great creature movies of the eighties, you've got gremlins, critters, uh, the puppet master movies, you know, like they're yes. all of be- before the, before CG puppetry was the only way to do science fiction and fantasy. The only way to tell stories about things that weren't human was with puppets. And so if you wanted to tell a story that had goblins or aliens or what have you in it, puppetry was the only way to go. So there is this, we even, that people don't realize it, there's this aspect of puppetry that's just ingrained in geek culture. And I think that it had been largely unexplored in, in conventions. Absolutely. So, so, uh, being the puppeteer that I am, and being the uh, you know almost lifelong and uh, and I think I'm getting to the point now where I've been to Dragon Con more years in my life than I haven't. Uh, I started going to Dragon Con when I was 16 and have never missed a year. It is part of my life. That's beautiful. Uh, and I would I would not have it any other way. I went to college in in Texas and I came back every single year to go to Dragon Con. Um, it has just always been part of who I am, and I would, wouldn't trade it for the world. So I get involved uh, in, in Puppet Slams, and I'm doing these puppet shows in Atlanta that are late-night adult variety shows, effectively, for, with, with, with puppets. And I get together with my buddy, Michael Goodwin, who's a prolific uh, role-playing game writer. He wrote heavily for Exalted... Uh, and several other White Wolf Onyx Path games. And who, let, and me, he, let me just say, let me just say, who has one of the most fascinating brains I have ever <laughs> encountered. Michael Gordon's brain is a, a sight to behold. He is, he is a, a clever, crazy genius. Yes. To be sure. Yes. And... And so one night we were sitting around being the friend. You know, he was my game master for years. I had the absolute pleasure of, of playing under him and in, 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 in role playing tabletop role playing games that lasted for, for years. And him being this extremely creative person and myself being an extremely creative person. Finally, one day we just said, why have we never worked together? Why have we never collaborated on a project? And so we made some time. He came over. We poured some drinks. Three hours later, Bob and Carl, the sci-fi janitors, were born out of Michael's brain. Michael had the idea of, uh, you know, having these two Area 51 uh, cleanup guys, you know, a scene between the two of them. 
I designed the I designed the look of the characters, built the puppets, got Matt, my uh, my good friend and high school buddy and college buddy Matt Nitchie on board, who works at the Atlantic Shakespeare Tavern, phenomenal actor. Got Matt Nitchie on board. He played one, I played the other. Got up at Dad's Garage, the old Dad's Garage Puppet Slam, did the show, and there was something to it. There was something to these little janitors, you know, uh, these little ye- little yellow guys, little glove puppets in, in yellow suits, little yellow hazmat suits talking about stuff. And we started uh, getting, uh, we got involved with this guy, Patrick Freeman, worked for DCTV, uh, and got the videos up on DragonCon TV. We started shooting little videos, little one-minute, two-minute videos, and they became really popular. Uh, there was something about, their, I think, the shortness of them, the minute, you know, short attention span, minute, two-minute two episode length that resonated with DragonCon people. Right. I think they rec- they liked the simplicity of it, you know, that if you had se- even if you'd already seen it, it was going to be over quick. So we didn't wear out our welcome, you know, maybe so much that maybe the longer videos did. So suddenly we find ourselves with this silly little puppet show having this big following at DragonCon. And uh, I leveraged the Sci-Fi Janitor's popularity from DragonCon TV uh, to get us uh, a, a, an event at DragonCon. And we did the very first DragonCon Puppet Slam for f- five years ago. I think this is the fourth year of the track. So five years ago. Uh, and we did a puppet slam in a pretty big room, like a 500-ish room in the Hyatt. And the line for the puppet slam, which is a variety show of puppets with different puppeteers getting up and doing a show that's like under 10 minutes each, uh, about whatever, uh, at DragonCon, we specifically try to do geeky puppet shows. Well, let me let me oh. as a as a layperson, let me sure. th- throw down what the Puppet Slam is for our brothers and sisters listening right now. Please do because the Puppet Slam is what is the entire reason that the Puppet Show Track exists. Only because of 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 what, and not even just that we did a Puppet Slam at DragonCon, because Bob and Carl were born in a Puppet Slam. Then we brought a Puppet Slam to Dragon Con. Like, Puppet Slam is the entire reason any of this ever even happened. So Pu- please, from the outside, looking in. Yes, exactly. I I am not a puppeteer. Uh, I have not manipulated a puppet in, a, in any kind of uh, public environment. But... Only my, privately. Right. For only privately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the Puppet Slam... Is first and foremost to me, it is art, but it is not art in the way that going to a museum is art. It's not art in a way that it's it's an observer type thing. It's art in that you will go to a puppet slam, you will see some of the most beautiful performances you've ever seen in your life. You will also see some of the filthiest funniest things you have horrors. ever seen in your life. Hor- absolute horrors. I all right. I Most of I, which you can thank Raymond Carr for. Well, yes. Raymond Carr yes. is a, a he dirty, delivers. He delivers Right. You see his name on something and you're like, well that's the main event. Clearly. 
Um, but it's just the puppet slam will bring you touching, beautiful pieces. I will never, ever forget. And Bo, you're, you're going to be mad at me. I cannot remember the term for the puppetry that was used, but a couple of years ago, there was a piece, uh, with an elf. It was, it was all, it was like marionette type stuff. There were two ladies and it was, it was a silent piece. Were they manipulating like a green character on a yes. table? Yes. Okay. Not a marionette because it didn't have any strings. They were physically directly uh, you're right. manipulating you're right. that puppet. You're right. That's called tabletop puppetry. Yes. Please go uh, on. Tabletop puppet show. It was by Alyssa Honeycutt. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yes, I remember Honeycutt. Beautiful, the the beautiful and talented Alyssa Honeycutt. I, and I believe it was Amy Rush and Honey Goodenough. I on that had. Show. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct because I had to look up the artist involved, uh, and and it it moved me to tears. It was so beautiful and I'm not like oh but just like my eyes welled up it was so beautiful and then you will also see things like a uh in the loosest sense of the term a puppet of felicia day shitting into someone's mouth that's the range that we're talking about with and the this is slam. why I say, this is why I always use the term variety show and it is when I talk about a puppet slam and, because I'm not kidding around when I say that there will be variety in what you see. <laughs> and, and it is. It's it's it will take you the puppet slam and, and when you when you look at the word puppet, I, I honestly think and this is not in any way denigrating puppetry, I think the common human average Joe reaction to the word puppet is puppet, really? But once you start looking into the history of puppetry, into the legacy of puppetry, you realize it's everywhere, and you have to respect the art form. And when you Where, look, wherever there have ever been humans, there have and will be puppets. That is period. absolutely correct. And so you have to go into the puppet slam expecting an entertaining experience because I guarantee you, you're going to get that. And if you go to a puppet slam and you're not entertained, Track me down, and I will refund your money. I will buy you a beer. I will buy you a shot. Personally, whatever it is you feel you're owed, I will take care of it. Because you're going to go to the Puppet Slam, and you're going to have an amazing time. It will. T it's an emotional roller coaster. Because you will find pieces that will touch you. You will find pieces that will repulse you. <laughs> In the best yeah. way possible, and you will laugh your fucking ass off. We got, you know, a lot of the... We don't get a lot of negative feedback in the puppetry chat. I can't imagine um, that you do. You know, I mean, we get the app. You know, the app records uh, people's comments, and then that, that data is delivered to me. Yes. Uh, several months after, after an insane... I mean, I can't even imagine, but after an insane amount of data is crunched from the app... I get my little slice of it for the puppetry track, and I don't. We don't get a lot of complaints. Most honestly, most of our complaints last year were uh, I hated this track and I gave it a one because I couldn't get in because it was full. Right, right, right. That, I, I can was, totally that see that. Was that. like most of our negative our and negative comments and were, that's were not, that that's not the track's fault, and that's not even really Dragon Con's fault. It's no. just that's shit. Logistics. How do you yes. cope with? The right. popularity of Logistic. a thing. But, <laughs> oh, second 
to the uh, your panel was too full and I couldn't get in, so I hate you. Negative feedback. Raymond Carr holds the record for the most <laughs> negative feedback. <laughs> I, I got emails that were just like, how could you have denigrated the art form? You need to you need to make the Puppet Slam a ticketed event and not allow the riffraff into the event. Like, I mean, not even like... A, people complaining about what they saw on stage because sure. it offended their sensibilities. Sure. Um, but, but people complaining about the audience. People saying that if I'm going to go see puppet theater, then, then I want it to be a ticketed event so that I don't have crazy drunk people next to me laughing, cursing at the stage. Lady, that's part of the deal. Like, well, and the, here's know, the like, thing. Here's the thing is, Raymond's pieces play to every demographic in that audience. If you're shit faced, you're going to laugh your ass off. If yeah. you're, if you're, you're a, tight. if you're a smart auteur, you're going to laugh your ass off because he works on, I, I'm, I, I kind of hate him a little bit because of his ability to work on so many different levels because if you're just a filthy idiot you're going to laugh if you're a smart in genre person you're going to laugh if you're an artist you're going to see the way that he takes our societal things and and twists them around and makes fun of them and you're going to laugh like he's a little too smart and it irritates me quite frankly <laughs> Yeah, they uh, last year with his Walt Disney sketch, oh uh, people were they were not they were not having it. They were not having it. And let me just <laughs> you I, know they I, they wanted they they didn't understand why I would allow such thing on the stage. And I responded to them and I said, look, art, especially you know, is, is theater is is designed to elicit an emotional response from the audience. And sometimes that response is making you so disgusted that you that you feel the physical impulse to get up and leave. Yes. Guess what? He won. And I just <laughs> the had... fact that the fact that you felt the need to leave this negative, like you know, this hugely negative feedback means that he accomplished his goal. And I just have you know? to, I just have to point out the fact that Raymond Carr's Walt Disney was my sexy Wolverine. Uh, mm -hmm. for our game show and I I'm not going to say the performer's name because I honestly don't know if he wants to be credited for either role quite possibly not but he is phenomenal and we are uh, we are working on getting him back this year and I hope you guys can utilize him as well because he's he blows me away in, in a very similar way to the way that Raymond does and that he irritates me a little bit with his genius. Puppetry should always make you a little bit uncomfortable. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, yeah. So I have two criteria because let's, let's, yeah, let's just keep talking about the puppet slam for a minute because totally. the puppet slam is, is where the puppetry track comes from. Well, that's there where, are two criteria. That's where you're going to draw people in is once people go to the puppet slam. Yes. It's the gateway drug. Yes. Of the puppetry track. Yes, Absolutely. Well, and it's exactly how it happened. The Puppet Slam was a success, and then suddenly I got the offer to do a whole track. Um, but the the requirements, and then just so you know, everybody else can know, uh, the requirements for submitting a piece to the DragonCon Puppet Slam 
are twofold. One, we would like your show to be geeky in subject in subject matter. You know, uh, we do puppet slams all the all the time, all across the country, and at those shows, we are writing puppet shows to general audiences. Right. I mean, not super general. I mean, obviously, there's a certain kind of person who goes to go see a puppet slam, a puppet show at like eleven o'clock and ten o'clock at night. That's definitely a certain kind of person. But for the most part, we're writing puppet shows as a puppet slam writer. Uh, we are writing puppet shows that 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 reach general audiences. Yes. At Dragon Con, you have this amazing opportunity to write really specific humor. Mm-hmm. This is the place where your Battlestar Galactica puppet show will slay. Right. Whereas if you did that show and you made all these really inside jokes, it wouldn't play at a regular old puppet slam. You know, because only maybe like a third of the audience would be like, I watched Battlestar, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, but the other two thirds of the audience who never watched Battlestar are going to completely not get it. But at Dragon Con, where there's a thousand people in the audience. Everyone. And, and, and at least 90% of them watch Battlestar. You know, geeks aren't used, I mean, maybe we're more used to it now. For sure. We've got Marvel movies that are kicking ass at the box office. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've had the co-op, the co-opting of geek culture. Uh, so we're more used to mainstream entertainment catering, uh, to us. But, you know, when this, when the, when the Puppet Slam first started, making very specific jokes that really hit people's, uh, fandom is not something they're normally used to. You know, it, it's very rare for, for someone to be really excited about an obscure fandom and then have someone get on stage and really like make that joke and this is part of the success of the janitors was we were hitting that same funny bone that was like oh, oh you totally know what i'm you're making a joke about that thing that i like people love that well and so and it's on, an opportunity to, to really tell those jokes on top of that it's these jokes these these genre specific delightful like oh they hit me in my nerd heart jokes but on top of that it's coming from a form of art that whether we acknowledge it or realize it consciously or not has been with us since we were born. Primordial. Yes. The second uh, thing that I look for in a Dragon Con Puppet Slam piece is precisely what you have described. How do we showcase the art form puppetry in a way that makes people go... I never knew you could do that with puppets and walk out of this puppet slam with their preconceived notions of what puppetry is changed forever. Yes. That is the, that is the goal. So, so when, when Alyssa came to me with her show, I said, okay, your show's got a, got a ugly fairy in it. The crux of your show is, is that it's about this ugly fairy who didn't get invited to the fairy ball. Um, and she's going to sing this beautiful song about how she was ostracized. Well, first of all, out of the gate, you're talking about somebody being ostracized, which everybody at fucking Dragon Con can relate to. We, we get that. Second of all, your show is about fairies. Boom, Dragon Con, sold, done. Like, you're already talking about fantasy, all right? So she's already got two huge, huge points. Third, she's showing people what tabletop puppetry is. You didn't even know what it was called. No, no, I didn't. And, and I'm ashamed that I didn't remember what it was called. 
but that's the point. The point is, is to get up on that stage and show people, God bless Jim Henson, but show, show people something they've never seen before and show people what it is that we are, that we as puppeteers are capable of that changes what you think puppetry is. Cause it's not just teaching your kids how to count and tie their shoes. Right. You know? Uh, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's way bigger than that. And I think we saw a lot of shows, uh, last year. We, we see shows every year that do that. Um, you know, I think Phantom, you can attest to Mr. Joshua Holden. Oh my um, gosh. Everyone. And the, the man, the man was on stage literally with a sock puppet. Get a cape. And a cape. And he brought the house to tears. Yeah. Uh, certainly me, sir. Every, everybody around me, everybody like, oh my gosh, dude. Anyway, so I, we we do a puppet slam at Dragon Con. We turn away five hundred something people. Right. The line wraps down the street around the corner uh, of the of the Hyatt, and I am approached by Pat Henry himself. Uh, the granddaddy of the, the man, the yes. literally the man. Yes. Um, who, who is super cool, by the way. Like, Pat Henry is the coolest. I love Pat Henry. Um, and he says, Hey, listen, you're, you're, this little puppet slam thing you did seems, seems to have done really well. People seem to have liked it. How would you be interested in, in running an entire puppetry track? No. Oh. And I, and in, you know, I was like, starstruck and been like yes of course yes please whatever you want <laughs> whatever uh, yes whatever whatever you're talking about i agree to so whatever it is uh little did i know what i was getting myself into and here i am four years later uh so i i and that's how the puppetry track was born the puppetry track was born entirely out of puppet slam and i i want to get across to everybody listening right now that Bo, that you have given up your Dragon Con in order to bring puppetry to everyone there. And that is that was a very difficult thing to reconcile the first couple of years. And and uh, I, I can't even imagine because though you know, you guys that are listening, if you've never been to Dragon Con, you need to go. If you have been to Dragon Con, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. For me, it's my one time a year where I am utterly and completely me. I have fun. I love every single person around me. It's a party. Uh, I, I get to do all the geeky things that I wish I could do for a living year round. And, you know, to a certain extent, you are sort of living that dream because you do get to put on a track. You do get to represent the thing that you love, but you've given up that. I, I've given up a great party. deal. Yes. Um, and it's not just the party, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, there is something about Dragon Con that I, I've, I've attempted to articulate many times, um, and and I always fall short. It, you know, I've been going since I was sixteen. It's it's part of me, and there is something about, and it's a very hard thing to explain to people who've never been, and and even people who have sometimes don't get it. But there's there's something about, like I, I feel like Dragon Con is is a it's like the ocean. Um, I talk about when I, when I, when I 
wax poetically about Dragon Con, I, I, I always come back to it being that there's a tide and that there's something about throwing yourself into that tide and just like running into the ocean and letting the waves of Dragon Con break over you and losing yourself in it. That is, you know, not having a plan, just like, like wandering around and you'll meet somebody and then you'll yeah. be like, Hey, cool. You're, you seem cool. Where are you, where are you guys going? And then boom, you're on an adventure. Yeah. 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 You know, like, and, and I, I don't have as much time for those adventures anymore because I have shitloads of responsibilities. You know, I, I'm, I'm running a track that goes from 10 AM to, to three o'clock in the morning every day, you know, uh, and, don't get me wrong, I have a phenomenal, phenomenal team of volunteers. Uh, uh, Whitney Carnes, uh, Elizabeth Leary, uh, my, my whole, my technical team of, of Charles and, and Joshua and, and all of my, uh, my folks who, who run my room, those guys are dynamite. And they, they allow me to be able to do a lot of stuff that I, that I, didn't wasn't able to do like my first two years when I was really micromanaging the tra- right. micromanaging the track, um, and now I've now I've I've put I built my team, I trust my team, I have a lot more faith that I can be like, all right, you guys are good, you guys are handling this. I'm gonna go actually do a Dragon Con thing for you know, I'm gonna go be on a panel about right. Shira. Right, right. You know, about He-Man for, 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 for 45 minutes. And, and I, and I trust you that when I come back, this room will not be on fire. <laughs> and that was not the case the first year because that room was on fire pretty much 24 seven. Um, the first year was extremely rough. Uh, so now I'm, I'm getting to a point where I can kind of like, trust things and and especially with last year where the national puppet slam which is the other big thing one of the other big things that i do and the dragon con puppetry track happened at the same time that made my head hurt and i didn't even have anything to do with it it was rough man but what it meant was that i would have to leave dragon con and go over to the center for puppetry arts and put on a giant show during dragon con so there were times during Dragon Con when I, I could not physically be there. And Whitney and Elizabeth dealt with it like absolute champs. Everything ran smooth as silk. Everything happened just like it should. And uh, my team is to thank for that. They're, they're amazing. Uh, so this year is not a national Puppet Slam year. Um. Last year, a lot of our and the lesson that I had from last year was that, uh, you know, I tried really hard to get some. I, I tried to get Jim Henson's Creature Challenge folks in. That kind of fell apart, um, mostly entirely due to the fact that the show was already finished by that point. Right. So Sci-Fi wasn't wasn't interested in spending money to promote it because yeah, they, they weren't were looking for people it. to watch it. It was done. Right. right. So you know that so. Uh, I couldn't afford to bring those people in, uh, you know, on their own, uh, you know, on their own. They weren't, they weren't getting 
any help from sci-fi to, to come out and promote the show. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. And I really want at some point for us to do like the creature year. I want to do a year where it's where the puppetry track is basically the creature track. I want to focus heavily on gremlins and all the, all those classic movies. I want to get the, the directors of those movies and the puppet builders of those movies in and do a creature year. Um, and that's just not something that's, that's happened yet. Um, this year, uh, we have probably the biggest number of guests we've ever had. Yeah, it's pretty insane uh, this, is, this year. This, this is our biggest year, and that's crazy, uh, considering that, that two years ago we had Red and Moki Fraggle in person. Yeah. Um, and I never thought, I, I really thought after that year, I was like, I'm never going to, I'm done. We're done. Like, I, I, I walked out of that year thinking, there's no way that I'm going to top what we did this year watching people, you know, meet the fraggles in person and, and, and cry uh, all over themselves and, and, and everyone else around them over how, you know, much of a magical once in a lifetime moment that was, um, which gave me like all the self doubt, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What do you do for an encore after that? Sure. Sure. Uh, but this year, uh, things came together. Things really have sort of come together and we have a phenomenal guest list. Cheryl Henson um, is going to be here. That's nuts. This is the first time uh, that we've had a Henson beyond Heather, who came our first year. Um, Cheryl is, you know, hugely involved in all Henson properties um, and is super cool and is uh, coming here to celebrate the 65th anniversary of Henson. Company, um, which is a super big deal. We've got Karen Falk, who is the. I'm super excited about Karen because she is the. This is the, and this is a job. Her job is that she's the head Henson archivist, which means that she is a Henson nerd, and that's her job. A professional Henson nerd. She is a professional Henson nerd, oh. and. That is so exciting to me to bring to Dragon Con. You know, it was like when we, it was like, you know, when we, in the first year when we brought Peter Lind, you know, and Peter's journey yeah, was yeah. that he was a, you know, he, he was a Muppet fan. He wasn't one of the original guys. He was a Muppet fan and he loved the Muppets so bad that he became a Muppeteer. Right, right. And, and that's, and that's Karen's story. You know, she, she was the fan who be, who made it her, made it her living. And I love that story. I think that it resonates with with DragonCon attendees, um, and I'm so excited uh, to have her there. So, speaking of Karen, everyone's who everyone who's listening to this podcast, Karen uh, wrote a book called Jim Henson's Illustrated World. You can buy it on Amazon for like eighteen bucks. She will be here, and she will sign that book for you. It's an amazing book full of Jim Henson's doodles out of his, like, journals and stuff, full of commentary and, like, all sorts of amazing details, like, hey, here's this doodle out of one of Jim's sketchbooks, and here's how that character evolved over time, put together into one beautiful, amazing book. Buy the book. Get her to sign it. It's amazing. That's uh, awesome. We will have a couple of those books to sell at the Puppetry Track uh, merch booth if if you don't and want to come by and pick one up they will be I, i'll tell you this right now though those will be gone like immediately 
I would plan yeah. beforehand picking up a copy and and you know I, get a copy on say, Amazon. And, when you say Jim yeah. Henson Doodle Book, guys, we need to realize this is one of, if not the greatest creative mind of our time. This is the guy that, and, and for me, you know, obviously the significance of Jim Henson is Sesame Street, The Muppet Show. But for me, where I look and my mind is just blown apart is Return of the Jedi, Jabba's Palace. Mm-hmm. That is... What, is, what does an alien world really look like? My gosh, not, I mean... It's it, We have never seen, yes, the cantina scene set a certain standard for, for an alien world, but Jabba's Palace is pure Hensongasm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I saw that movie in the theater with my dad in 1983, and my little brain at that point, like Land of the Lost couldn't compare. Um, nothing I had seen in Empire Strikes Back or A New Hope could compare Jabba's palace is what really just blew my little brain apart and turned me into the geek that I am today. And, you know, follow that up with Dark Crystal and and all the other amazing things Jim Henson has done. This is the guy, this is the source of of what I think of as weird geek. Yeah. Well, it it gave you, and that's, you know, that... That's one of the beauties of puppetry is that it, it it says we don't have to tell stories about people. Right. Which is what every story ever is freaking about, and is about thing. people. All of these characters and occupied space. They're mm-hmm. all real. They were all there. Sitting there. Yep. So we have uh, a phenomenal... Speaking of, of Karen, who's going to do uh, awesome stuff, um, and and like just being the you know Henson nerd that she is, which is I think amazing to bring. One, I, I think that uh, you should get you get that nerd who now is paid by the thing that you are nerdy about to be nerdy about. You know. Uh, so let's see. We've got who else? We've got uh, we've got Karen and Cheryl coming from Henson. We've got uh, several beautiful Sesame Street puppeteers. Uh, as as a lot of people know, uh, Carol Spinney has been announced was been announced early on. He will be one of the Grand Master or Grand Marshals of the parade, which is awesome. he played Oscar the Grouch and Big Bird on Sesame Street. He is uh, an institution. Um, he is a, a phenomenal puppeteer. He's got a documentary about him called Being Big Bird. I highly recommend that you watch it, uh, that catalogs his career. Um, you know, the, the guy the guy did puppetry before he ever got wrapped up, you know, got involved in Jim Henson stuff. Um, beautiful puppeteer, beautiful man. We have several other people from Sesame Street as well. We've got uh, Leslie Claire Rudolph, who's coming back for her second visit to Dragon Con. She was one of my first guests the first year. She plays Abby Kidabby on Sesame Street and is one of the most energetic, delightful, amazing human beings I've ever met. Uh, and I'm turning her loose on Dragon Con again. She's so, incredible. Um, I, 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 she's, a, I, she's a typhoon of talent. Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna endorse 
any of your puppetry stuff, obviously, because I I really, like I said, my mind was blown open by that Buffy panel, and from there it, it kind of went into all of which the, Leslie was, but Leslie was there. Yes, she was yeah. part of that, and then I got to meet her. I got to see her absolutely wonderful. I hope she's going to be part of DC TV again. Um, I think uh, I think we might show Milano again. Milano, um, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's a favorite. I mean, everybody loves Milano. It's yes, hilarious. Honestly, it's hilarious every single time you see it. Yes, it is. And that it is, and it, you know, and that that is that gem of a DC TV thing where it doesn't get old because sometimes they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Milano, Milano doesn't get old. It's funny every single time. And and in person, because you see you see her puppetry, whether you see it on DC TV or whether you see her in a panel, um, you, or on you Sesame see, Street, you see the charm. Uh, yeah. But then you meet her in person, and you really see that her soul is being channeled through these things. She's delightful. She's friendly. She's eager to talk about the art that she does. I I. I uh, as awesome as so many of the guests you've had are, she to me is is kind of pinnacle of puppetry. Leslie is a, a phenomenal human being. She's a great ambassador. Thing, like, she she's I honestly I, I I sort of put Leslie like even a step above puppetry. Um, Leslie is a performer. She is the entire package. Leslie can act. Leslie can sing. Leslie can do anything she puts her mind to. Uh, she happens to have found uh, a great career in puppetry and, and found great success on Sesame Street. Um, but she can honestly sell and do whatever it is that she is doing. She has so much energy and so much absolute love for her human, uh, for her, for humankind. Um, I have a lot of personal stuff that, that, that has happened, uh, with, with Leslie and, and helping other, and helping other puppeteers. Um, she is in one of the few entirely selfless beings I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Now, let me um, ask you this. Um, I've got to put over my personal favorite aspect aside from the puppet slam uh of the puppetry track and that is the puppet improv show mm. which really showed me how incredible mark mears and lucky Mark's lucky gates yeah <laughs> we had um, we we had uh we had a we had a Stacey. lot of fun. Uh, paul mcginnis stacy stacy gordon stacy gordon um, yeah, we there were there were a huge there was a there was an insane honestly an insane amount of talent and uh, in the, in the improv shows last year is the is the improv happening again? Yes, and because of our heavy, extremely heavy, uh, large room events. Now, for those of you who don't who've never programmed a track before, <laughs> which I would assume is everybody. Um, <laughs> Here's the way it works, right? So you have your room. So, like, I have my own room in the puppetry track. That's my, that is my room. It's Marriott A270L. Uh, that is my room. I can do whatever I want in that room. However, that room only seats 270 people, which means that anything that I plan on putting in my programming that I anticipate will attract more than 270 people 
has to be a large room request, which means a 500 room and a thousand room, a 12,000 room right. or a 1200 room. Right. I've, I have guests like Carol, uh, coming this year that I cannot put in the track room. Right. At all. Which means that a lot of my programming, in fact, more of my programming than ever been out of my track room before is not in my actual room. Oh, wow. And is in a big room because, because of my, because of the level of the guests that I'm bringing this year. Because of that, I don't have control, uh, per se about when it is scheduled. That means that because it's in another room somewhere in the convention, it has to be balanced out with every other oh, thing that's happening in a big room at the convention. Right, right. So that meant that a lot of my big stuff, like all my Carol Spinney stuff, uh, and we'll get to the other guy who's eating up a lot of my uh, large room requests later, it meant that a lot of, because those people aren't going to be there on Friday, it meant that a lot of my, and because Saturday night is a really big, is a really big time, yeah. but a lot of my other large room requests got pushed to Friday. Which means that both the kids improv show and the adult improv show and a lot of Leslie's other things because she attracts a big crowd because she's amazing is all on Friday. Okay. Her Friday is kind of crazy. So at this point, we're saying that Leslie's going to play it by ear. And if she feels up to, because most of her programming has been, is, is, in, is on Friday. If she feels up to doing the adult improv show on Friday, now if there's anybody that I would ever bank on having energy, it's Leslie <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> she is the most energetic person I've ever met with Aretta Baumgartner, the education director of the center, coming in close second. Aretta, I love you. You're amazing. Um, who will also be doing stuff at DragonCon in the Bubbage Track. Uh, there's a very good possibility that she will be spent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the the adult improv show, so she might not be there. Because However, the other people that are making up the improv shows this year, the kids show and the adult show, are both on Friday. Are phenomenal. We have a, a, a killer lineup again this year. Um, a lot of people who are on Puppet Up, the official Jim Henson. Puppet Improv Show. Yes. We've got a lot of those people again. We had a ton of those people last year, and, and that's, I mean, uh, the improv shows were definitely one of the highlights of last well, year. Let me, let me they, tell you this. If I wasn't actually working uh, Dragon Con Wrestling, I would leave Dragon Con Wrestling to see the Puppet Improv Show. Wow. Fortunately, though, it. It every or, or the last two years, it has worked out to where I could go directly from wrestling to improv. And it what was day is wrestling on? Friday. Oh, it's okay. Friday from seven to ten. So I can go. I I have two years now. I've been able to go straight from wrestling to the puppet improv. Okay. Well, good. And hopefully, uh, gonna, hopefully, I think, we'll I think be able the thing to do, to do. I think the thing to do is just go through the schedule because I'm kind of getting into the schedule now. Yeah. 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 But I'm skipping stuff, so I think that the thing to do is just, like, break it down. Let's do it. Um, all right, let's do it. So uh, the schedule is bigger than it's ever been. Sure. Um, generally, we've never started before 1 p.m. on Friday. Uh, this year, we start at 10 a.m. on Friday. 
Oh wow! And that I've that's, never done that before. That is significant because that's something that a lot of tracks don't do. Like it, one p.m. I on, never did. One p.m. on Friday is is very traditionally that is Dragon Con start time. Right. Well, hey, but speaking of official Dragon Con start time, speaking of Dragon Con experiences, I just got to say, if you are if you are at Dragon Con on Thursday night. Go to the Marriott. Be on the floor somewhere at eleven fifty, because there is there are few one of those moments you know uh, one of those moments that just makes me weep with the beauty that is DragonCon is what happens the the ten seconds before midnight on Thursday night at DragonCon when there is the completely and total unofficial countdown to the official start of Dragon Con that happens on, you know, Thursday at midnight when suddenly it's Friday and Dragon Con has started. When thousands of people out of nowhere all start counting down, just like on New Year's Eve, and everyone cheers at midnight on Thursday night. That well, is, I, I never miss it. I never miss it now that I, now that it's, I've been aware that it's, that it's been happening for the last couple of years. I absolutely love it. And I love, I, I will always be a part of it. Well, and that's, that's kind of what's so neat about it is for whatever reason, the Dragon Con powers that be cannot or won't acknowledge Thursday as an official Dragon Con day. Um, I, I don't know. There's programming, there is stuff well, that happens on Thursday. But this year, because last year the Sci Fi Classics track had programming on Thursday. This year, they were told they could not. Oh. So there's there's something there about Thursday that they're kind of not wanting to get into. Uh, and I, I don't know the specifics of it at all. But, like you said, when that clock strikes midnight in the Marriott, it Boom. is like New Year's it's magic. Eve. It's magic. But with dork magic. Yeah. I love it. I... I, I I will never miss it. I will never miss it. I will always be there. Um, so, 10 a.m. on Friday morning, the puppetry track has the official kickoff event of the entire convention. You can come 10 a.m. Uh, and see ABC 123 Good Morning with Sesame Street, which is the official kickoff event of the entire convention. All of my Sesame Street guests will be there. That will be Carol Spinney, Pam Marciero, who's played uh, in, in, in innumerable uh, background characters on Sesame Street, uh, as well as her own name character, Grungetta, who is like Oscar's girlfriend. Uh, and then Tyler Bunch, who has uh, once again been, you know, one of those background guys who's like, hey, he played that penguin. He played that monster. He played that, like, he's been there the entire time. Right, right. Uh, just not necessarily, like, he doesn't have, like, oh, I'm the, that character. He's been playing all those other background characters the entire time. Uh, then you've got Leslie. So that'll be a four, you know, panel or four-person panel talking about what it's the amazing experience that being on Sesame Street has been for their careers. So wait, that's and literally the first official scheduled event 
Well, no, there are other things going on at 10 a.m. At the same time, right, right. Yeah, but it is the officially recognized kickoff event. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, it, there, there's always one thing that's the official start. Like, this is the this is our sanctioned thing. And they were like, look, we would like to do something to Carol. And wow. I said, well, let's just make it all Sesame Street. Let's be good Good morning with Sesame Street. Because right? one, one year, that was Shatner and Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And now it's... Well, it's it, you. You orchestrated it. I, I can't say it's yours because obviously we have to credit the artists. Well, and I do want. I, I would like to make something very clear, and that is that is that Carol. You know, um, unlike a lot of tracks, I spend a great deal of effort courting guests. Um, you right. know, a lot of a lot of tracks are like, okay, well, these people want to come to Dragon Con. and they sign up to do so, and then the tracks, you know, do, you know, make use of them. Um, I, I work really hard using my connections within the puppetry community to, to bring guests to Dragon Con. Uh, Carol was one of the guests that, that came on his own. I cannot take credit for coming to, for Carol coming to Dragon Con. Uh, if anybody can take credit, it's Kathleen David. Uh, Kathleen David, who you may recognize from her many appearances in, uh, the Dragon Con Puppet Slam, uh, her, her, uh, Doctor Who show. Two yes. years ago, oh my gosh, being dude. phenomenal, um, uh, she went was at another convention and met Carol, and said, "Hey, you totally come to DragonCon. We have this amazing puppetry track." Uh, and so she she is the one who introduced him to DragonCon and encouraged him to apply. So so that is so I did not I did unfortunately I cannot take credit for getting Carol Spinney. Uh, uh, Kathleen gets that credit. Well, and she she is. Absolutely lovely. If you have an opportunity to speak to her, do it in a second. Yeah, Kathleen's uh, awesome. And and her Doctor Who musical with her husband Peter singing, which blew my yes. mind. Um, <laughs> to have a show stop this this is the credit uh, to to Puppet Slam to have a showstopper in the middle of the show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow, that's Puppet Slam. You don't you don't get an opportunity to have Peter David sing. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> uh and in a puppet show. So so that's the official kickoff. Then we launch into it and we do not stop for four days. Uh we go right out of uh, the Sesame Street show into the kids improv show at eleven thirty AM. That will have most of the people from Sesame Street doing a kids improv show. That's amazing. Let me just say that again. The people from Sesame Street are doing a kids improv show. And and if you don't know, the puppet improv show is they have a pile of puppets, uh, generic, you know, not characters that you've seen before, generic puppets, but extremely entertaining constructs. Uh, and they just like whose line is it anyway? They're given a scenario. They're given, you know, specific things they have to do and they grab a puppet and they do it. And it's incredible. Tyler Bunch uh, is the the gentleman who will be running all of our improv stuff this year. He is a phenomenal performer. He is he teaches improv uh, puppetry improv classes at the O'Neill, uh, which is the institution that I go to myself to learn puppetry. Um, he's a powerhouse performer. Uh, he does puppet up. He does the Jim Henson's puppet up. 
Um, he does. Uh, he's been in almost all the Muppet movies, uh, the, especially the current ones. In fact, the and we'll get to we'll get to a specific panel about this later. Um, but he is a phenomenal puppetry director. Uh, he he's phenomenal at it. Um, so after Puppet Improv, we go into our first double booking. Our and sadly, our track is so big this year that I once again had to double book things, which I hate. So at one o'clock, uh, we've got two panels. Now we've got, unfortunately, I have a, a, an embarrassment of riches and more more panels than I have time for. So we're double booking in the puppetry track, which means that there will be some stuff going on in a large room somewhere else in the convention and something going on in the puppetry track. In the puppetry track at that time, you can see puppetry as a career in, to, in film and television, which will have all of our TV and film puppeteers talking about how they got into the business, what it's like, all that kind of stuff. Somewhere else in the convention in another room is the glorious return of Mike Horner. Oh, wow. Uh, Mike, Mike was with us two years ago. He did the Timey Wimey Puppet Show, which slayed audiences. And literally, people were climbing on top of each other to see this show two years ago. I am so happy that I was able to bring Mike back. And Mike is back with two shows this year. This one being a funny thing happened on the way to the Death Star. <laughs> it is a 45-minute hand puppet rendition of episodes four through six, <laughs> told entirely by Mike. He does every single character, he does every single voice, and it's 45 minutes of episodes four through six. Oh my gosh. It is, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go to a panel full of amazing puppeteers, go to the puppetry track room. If you want to see an amazing, phenomenal Star Wars puppet show, go to whatever giant-ass room we're sticking Mike in. <laughs> Details forthcoming. Because I can't choose between the two, and I feel terrible that I'm putting people in, into the position where they have to choose. Um, I, I, can't, I, I can't tell you which one to go to. Um, if you want to see a show, go see the show. If you want to see a panel, go see the panel. Uh, I, I, an embarrassment of riches. Champagne problems, ladies and gentlemen. Um... Then, uh, after that, things get started with our Henson action. Uh, at 2.30, we'll have Jim Henson's Turkey Hollow, a lost Jim brought to television. Oh, wow. This is really exciting. Uh, yeah, this is super exciting. That so was just published as a comic. Yes, it was uh, The Musical Monsters of Turkey Hollow was published as a comic, a graphic novel. Uh, and... We're going to have Cheryl Henson, Karen Falk, and the director of the new movie, Kirk Thatcher, who you may re uh, people may recognize from Jim Henson's Creature Challenge. Uh, and that's just happened. Like, we just sealed the deal on Kirk Thatcher literally, like, four hours ago. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's brand new. Brand new right here on on the New Little Things podcast. Um, so they're, they're going to be there talking about this amazing project. So when Jim was still alive... They started shooting a Thanksgiving special called the called Turkey Hollow. Uh, they have since uh, revamped this this project, uh, and it'll be it'll be airing in November as a Thanksgiving family special on Lifetime. This panel is like our San Diego Comic Con 
busting out all the news. Like you're going to see stuff uh, that, that were that you won't be able to see about this this amazing new, you know, one of the first new TV projects that is like a standalone TV special, Henson TV special, uh, that no one else is going to see. So we're really excited to break some news and and have uh, something really brand new and exciting. We're we're so good at you know celebrating stuff that's happened. Now we're getting to celebrate something that's coming in the future. We're really excited. Yeah. Uh, and 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 cool thing especially is that Cheryl uh, Cheryl Henson who's going to be there was originally in the first version of Turkey Hollow as one of the little girls. So like this is like a whole come full circle from her like you know working with her dad and being on set and now like helping reimagine this vision and actually uh have it go through to completion is really amazing that's fantastic uh then we move into celebrating jim henson and the art of puppetry this is this is effectively cheryl henson's ted talk about her dad um it's uh it'll be cheryl doing uh, a presentation about uh the legacy of her father and how um you know and then and and a how the art of puppetry influenced him and then how uh, he influenced the art of puppetry. Amazing. I mean, I don't... A you'll, phenomenal opportunity. You'll never see that anywhere else. Right. Uh, then we move on to how did we get to Sesame Street, Puppets Before Muppets. So this will be Pam Marciero, who plays Grandretta on Sesame Street and has been involved in numerous other puppet projects over the years. And this will be basically like, okay, how did we get to Sesame Street? Where did Hand and Rod puppets come from? So uh, she'll be using actual demonstrations of puppets, uh, physical puppets, like not like a PowerPoint presentation, but like actual physical puppets that she will get up and hold uh, and about how like this is our history of puppetry class. This is our this isn't puppetry 101. This is like advanced history of puppetry. Right. To talk about like how puppets evolved over time through culture and how we found ourselves uh, in the modern world of puppet, what Jim Henson sort of created. Um, uh, then now we're getting into the evening at about 7 PM. Uh, Karen Falk, who's the Henson archivist that I mentioned earlier, will be doing a panel sort of about her career and the books that she's written, as well as the blog that she runs called Jim Henson's red book, which, uh, features lots of notes out of, uh, Jim's journal and things like that. Uh, and you can also at that same time, take a paper mask making class from Madison J. Cripps, uh, bring in beautiful and wonderful, talented Madison J. Cripps back. My personal bromance uh, and DragonCon fan favorite. He's going to be teaching a really interesting class about making masks that uses techniques developed by uh, a puppeteer named Albert Grosser. Uh, and he developed this technique of like bending and folding and stapling paper um, that effectively made two-dimensional objects very quickly and very easily. The point being was to teach puppeteers that you don't need to spend all of your time uh, agonizing over building puppets to learn how to manipulate puppets, that you can make things really quickly and efficiently and cheaply uh, and and still learn without the whole, like, oh, well, I, do, I don't have any puppets as the excuse. Like, you'll right. be like, no, this is, these are the techniques to make things, make it beautiful, amazing things quickly so that you can't say, oh, well, I don't have puppets or I can't make puppets as an excuse not to learn. Well, and, and you can, like, it's a starting point for, for somebody who doesn't have the resources or, or, or whatever. Like, you, you can, you can get to work 
on the skills. Absolutely. Now, I would like to say that, that you know, while I am sort of going through the schedule, things might change. Of course. Every, things, well, get, things will get moved around. I know I'm sort of going through things in order, but, you know, bear in mind that, that things happen. Uh, this is all subject to change. Well, and I think everybody everybody knows that every single thing that's scheduled at Dragon Con is tentative until it has already happened. Until it actually happens. And, yeah. you know, regardless of whether this stuff happens at the times you're describing or not, it's something that you can get the Dragon Con app, put it in there. Get the app. The get, app is amazing. Yes. Go Holy ahead, crap. You know, even, even if the time changes, the app will let you know if the time does change. So this is kind of like a guideline. Even if it doesn't happen at 1 p.m. on Friday, you can go ahead and stick it in the app, and whenever it does happen, you'll know. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So moving on, we've got this. 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 I will say. Uh, I think is going to be the sleeper hit of the convention. Okay. It's a Leslie panel. Uh, it's called Character Development Masterclass. It's a big room event. It's going to be Leslie getting on stage, and basically, you will watch her walk out on stage. Then she will turn in. She will physically, literally turn into a tornado. <laughs> And then 45 minutes will pass. And everyone will be, like, scattered around the room, like, panting, wondering what just happened. I'm not kidding. I can picture it. Leslie's Character Development Masterclass is something that happened uh, at the O'Neill Conference earlier this year. It made people cry. Um, It is a tour de force of artistry. If you are remotely interested uh, in what it takes to make a character, whether that whether you're coming to that angle, uh, you know, from uh, as a writer of characters, as a role player looking to define characters, as uh, uh, you know, in, in anything as a scriptwriter, as as a, a writer of novels, everything that people write about people or things is about character. And what you will see in this panel will completely blow your mind and change your perspective on your process. Uh, I don't really know how else to explain it. Uh, it'll be a lot of Leslie performing um, and showing and explaining her process, which Leslie's process is through performing. So you're going to see a show and learn, uh, and, it, and, and, and it's going to blow the crap clean out of your ass. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to describe what you're going to see really, uh, other than I, I really think that this is going to be one of those panels that people walk out of. This is going to be the thing that like, when I get the app feedback, I'm, that people are going to be like, Oh my God, I never knew blah, 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 blah. Like, right, right. This is going to be one of those panels that, that is unlike anything you've ever seen at the convention and will blow your mind. Um, go see it. Go, go see it. It's not competing with anything. Go see it. Uh, directly after that, we go into puppet coaching and characterization. So as the puppetry track has evolved, you know, people have started to bring their own puppets to Dragon Con, like they wear costumes. And we obviously here in the puppetry track are super supportive of that. So I have been designing programming specifically for those people. You are more than welcome to come and see this panel if you don't have your own puppet. Please, however, recognize that you will be asked to sit in the back. 
and the people who brought their own puppet to this panel will be brought to the front and will work one-on-one with professional puppeteers to develop the specific nuances of the characters that these people have brought into the room. Um, this is a phenomenal once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with a professional, you know, Muppet puppeteer, uh, Sesame Street puppeteer, professional puppeteer, uh, and really get into what is the character that you have on your hand. What are they? What do they love? What do they hate? What are they afraid of? Where do they come from? That's the kind of stuff that you're going to get to a, a chance to explore one on one with a professional puppeteer in this panel. Um, very exciting stuff. Uh, definitely sort of the sort of programming we want to offer the people that are really invested in puppetry um, that come to DragonCon. Part of our mission. So uh, then it's late. Now it's 11.30 and we go into the adult improv show. Yeah, uh, Which will be exactly like the kids show, but totally different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Muir is confirmed for the adult show, not for the kids show. Um, and then there will be, it'll be a lot of the same people in the kids show and the adult show with slight casting changes. Um, Leslie, uh, has been working her tail off this entire day. So there's a chance that she might not, uh, be, you know, she might be spent sure. by this one. And sure. we have, a, we have a, uh, I have a, a stand in, uh, ready in the wings, ready to go for her to take her place because we only have so many mics. Um, and the puppeteers in this kind of show run around all over the place, and it's very difficult to use stationary mics uh, and have them be heard. So uh, that's what that show will be. Hilarious. If you want to go see an, a dirty, hilarious adult puppet show at 1130, this is the place to be. Well, and it's um, it's watching the creative process because these people are well, coming two, up with and, things. And you can explain this. Explain how it's really watching two shows. Well, and it is because you get to see these people creating – a, a show, and you also get to see. This is an aspect of puppetry that I'd never seen until I saw the puppet improv. You get to see them looking at the monitor because you get to watch them perform live. But there's also a screen in the room where you see what would be happening if you were watching it on television. So you get to see these performers performing and being very mindful of the puppets that they're using and what they look like on this screen. It's a, it's a fascinating kind of dual layered process that yeah. I, I had, it, cool. I'd never, I'd never, it, you get to see behind the scenes of a puppet show. It, it's, it's fantastic. And it's dirty and hilarious on top of that. Yes. Uh, and then we get to our one o'clock slot, which has traditionally and will continue to be our film screenings. Um, there's definitely something to be said for stumbling into a dark room at 1 o'clock in the morning with a drink in your hand and watching crazy puppet shit on a screen. And seeing an insane shadow puppet film that blows, again, blows your mind open. Yeah. If, you, if you're looking for something crazy to do while you're stumbling around with your drink, show up at the puppetry, puppetry uh, track room at 1 o'clock in the morning. We will deliver the goods. Oh, my gosh. So what? What uh, we have two film screenings, one on Friday and one on Saturday. The one on Friday is the best of the Atlanta Film Festival. So in addition to my work with DragonCon, I'm also the puppetry programming coordinator for the Atlanta Film Festival. So what you'll see in this in this screening are the films that we selected for the puppetry shorts block at the Atlanta Film Festival. So 
you're into puppet films, come check it. Come check it out. There may be a talkback at the end if any of the filmmakers are there. No Very problems. cool. Very cool. All right, so that's day one. Saturday, we start off with uh, the parade. Um, Carol Spinney will be one of the five grand marshals of the Dragon Con parade. And I have had the extreme pleasure of organizing a parade group a little bit this year uh, where we're going to have uh, people walking. Because, you know, the thing about puppeteers is they're like authors. Like, everybody knows their work, but you might not know what they look like. So we were like, how do we, you know, Carol's, you know, how do we make sure people know Carol's Carol? Because, you know, when we did, when we did the Fraggles, we had, uh, we were allowed to use the Fraggles in the parade, which was huge. And, uh, this year, unfortunately, Sesame Street wasn't able to work it out for us to get any of, of Carol's characters. So sadly, no, no Oscar, no Big Bird. Um, well, and, so I was and like, well, to make sure, to make sure everybody understands how that works, I mean, there are so many layers and yeah, potential it, snafus and difficulties with licensing and character rights and all that sort of thing. It's it's not it's not a negative reflection on anybody when something like that doesn't work out. Yeah, it's just there's so many considerations that, and it's honestly, it's one of the biggest challenges of of running the puppetry track is is that when you bring in a guest uh, like Carol or like the Fraggles, um, that that's only half of what people want. You know, people want to see the character. They want to see the puppet. And, and it's a weird thing because, you know, people aren't paid, people aren't paid to come to Dragon Con. You know, the actors that are from the movies or, or from the television shows that you see at Dragon Con, you know, they're not getting paid to, to, to be there. Uh, Dragon Con doesn't pay them to be there. Their studio might might pay for them to be there because they're there to promote whatever it is they're promoting, you know. But obviously, Sesame Street doesn't need to promote Sesame Street. I don't know, Phantom. Have you heard of Sesame Street? Uh, maybe in passing, a, right. a Time or two. It's <laughs> it's like one of those niche things that I sure. think you can't help so, but hear about. So it's not the kind of thing that that they need like a marketing push. Like, oh, we're pushing series two of our show. You don't. Hear, we're pushing the premiere of our show. You don't have we're going to pay ads yeah. for Sesame Street on like, <laughs> right. AMC or something. Exactly. Everybody knows about Sesame Street. Um, so it's not it's not something that we were we were we were able to get. And the other aspect of it too is is that. You know, you want it. It's weird to ask an actor. So, okay, so you're an actor. You're on a TV show. You go to a panel, and what you do? What do you do in panels? You talk about what it was like to do the show. You share funny stories about the guy who farted on set. Whatever. You know, you you talk about being on the show. It's very rare that somebody is like, oh, okay, I would like. I want you to do this whole panel like you're the like you're the character that you play on the show. Well, and that's the thing is like. You go to a panel with, uh, you know, Faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you see Eliza right. Dushku, and you see Faith. And there's no, you know, she doesn't ever even have to say she's Faith, but you know that's her. Whereas with puppeteers, there's a different level to, to the talent involved. Yeah, and, and we're not asking Eliza Dushku, like, I want you to do this entire panel like Faith. Like, don't be, don't be Eliza Dushku. We want you to just, like, we want to ask Faith questions. Like, that would be weird. 
Right. And, right. and that would be, the, and that would be the kind of thing that like, that's her job. Like her job is to pretend to be other people. So you pay her for that. So there's this expectation in the puppetry track where like, Oh, we, we want to see the puppets, but like we don't, Dragon Con doesn't pay people to, to do their thing. They, you know, like they come and they share stories and then you know, talk about what it was like to do it. Um, so we're in this weird position where it's not like I just have to get the person, but then I try really, 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 re- I hope everybody understands how many realize I'm really as I'm using. I try really hard to get the puppet to come along with, with the, with the puppeteer, obviously. Uh, and it, it doesn't always work out. Um, but asking them to do the character is like asking an actor to be like, Hey, do that thing you do for money. That's your job for free for all of us right now. Like just, just, just do it, you know? And thankfully puppeteers are usually pretty cool. And as we saw on the Fraggles panel, like they were all about doing it, but it's a total different ball game from just having like an actor do their thing. There are so many other layers involved to, to make that happen, to make that situation happen than there are. Um, so I hope everybody understands. So Carol will be in the parade, and we're going to have uh, a bunch of people walking alongside his car with big, giant yellow feathers. So it's kind of like, you know, like a balloon, uh, sort of like one of the big balloons in the Macy's Day Parade where you've got people walking alongside it, you know, in little outfits maybe that, that suggest, you know, they're holding the balloon down. Uh, so we're going to have people in, in, with feathers uh, to sort of celebrate the fact that, like, this is Carol. He's Big Bird. Just in case anybody didn't know, we're all going to march with feathers in the parade to make sure everybody knows that he's that he's Big Bird. Um, I'm shooting, and I've requested for a bright yellow convertible for him to ride in. I am not sure if we're going to get that or not, but that is my request. That would be awesome. I I really hope that happens because that'd be super rad. Um, and everybody that I suggested the idea to, I was like, can we can we get Carol in a in a bright yellow convertible? That'd be incredibly awesome everyone's like yeah you're right that'd be totally awesome we're gonna try but that's that's all i could get is we're gonna try um the parade happens and then we go into the creative puppet workshop which we've always done uh since we started the track where the kids and 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 not kids get to come and make a little puppet it's very similar to the to what you get the puppet that you kind of that you get to make when you visit the center for puppetry arts um, this year it will be, last year was the dragon, the new design on the dragon. The beautiful this year it'll be the what? The beautiful dragon. And those the beautiful, puppets, the beautiful golden dragon. There are, like, and you, I, you can pretty easily find pictures online of the dragon puppet. Uh, cause I was poking they around really the other day. Good. Yeah, it, it was nice. Yeah. The design was really good. So this year, since we have Leslie back, uh, we're using the Lolly Lard pop puppets. Now oh. for anybody who doesn't know Lolly Lard Lolly Lard Pop. Lolly is Leslie's like personal puppet character. Um, not her Abby Kidabby character. This is Leslie's own personal character that she does that is hilarious. Go to Instagram um, right now, find it. Yeah. Go, go, just Google Lolly Lard Pop and follow her everywhere. Yeah, Lolly is a... T- so if you've ever seen the Milano video on DragonCon TV, you know who Lolly is. Oh, my God. So the beauty of this is that Lolly, Lolly has this, you know, sort of eight-year-old megalomania 
<laughs> that 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 she has. And so when when you start talking about the idea of a bunch of kids making little copies of Lolly and Lolly <laughs> being there while they do it, almost as if she's amassing some sort of army. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say it's an army. I'm not gonna say that Lolly Lardpop is amassing some sort of army of clones at Dragon Con. But basically But I won't deny it. Yes. Uh, that is what's going to happen. Um, at the same time, is we're going to have uh, a panel called Puppets from the Page to Reality. We've got two excellent uh, guys named BJ Geyer and Steve Troop. Uh, BJ, and, BJ and Steve uh, have a puppet company out in L.A., uh, and they do a lot of sort of um, uh, like commercial work and television show work. They're a puppet studio. They build puppets for, they build, they, they do contract work, right? Um, they've been involved in a lot of really cool properties. Uh, there is a episode of, uh, the new Teen Titans show that involves puppets. They built the puppets. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So these are those guys. They've been involved in like, once you like start realizing all the stuff they've, they've done. You're like, oh my god, oh my god, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that. They've done tons of commercials, tons of TV shows, they've been involved in, in movies and stuff, and they're doing a lot of excellent panels in the track. So this is one of their one of their panels. Uh, it talks about effectively doing exactly what they did with Teen Titans, which is take a two dimensional sketch, turn it into a puppet, three dimensional puppet. That's what the panel is about. Take take design your puppet in two D, and then how to realize it in three D. Being that they worked with uh, Teen Titans, which is a Cartoon Network property, you don't happen to know if they also did the Chowder Puppets. They did do the Chowder Puppets. Oh my gosh, dude. I love that so much. Chowder is so good. <laughs> Chowder is really good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so so really, so they're great. And, and a lot of the other events that involve like, oh, here's a team of puppeteers talking about stuff. Those guys are going to be on it. They are phenomenal guys. They are deep, deep, deep in my track this year. They're involved in tons of programming. They're being really good, amazing workhorses of the track this year. So please, please check them out. Um, check them out online. Come see their work. They're phenomenal guys. Well, and I'll, I'll uh, tell you, to me, that's always one of the most fascinating aspects of creativity and having sort of a skilled trade is when you're a creative person that can apply your creativity to a, a certain thing like licensing, like like work for hire, like when you can take your talent and do Teen Titans puppets or do chowder puppets or like or adapt a specific comic book thing. Like I, I'm always very interested in that practical aspect of creativity. You know what I mean? Yeah. These guys excel at it. Um Steve has an alien, like aliens musical going on right now. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that you, everybody should check it out online. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, all right. So then we move on to, uh, we have a panel called a new home for the world of Jim Henson. For those of you who are locals, you may or may not know. I hope you know, but on November 15th, the Center for Butcher Arts will open its gigantic $14 million museum expansion. It is huge. This is a game changer. Uh, 
we will now in Atlanta have the biggest repository of Jim Henson puppets on display in the world. Uh, our con- we are under construction right now. We will be un- under construction until you know the unveiling. It's huge. So this panel is all about uh, the our exe- our phenomenal. Uh, I, I love Kelsey. Love the fact that I get to work with her all the time up at the center. She she has done an amazing job with the museum. Be- beautiful, amazing person. She will be. She's the museum director of the Center for Puppetry Arts. She'll be there. Cheryl Henson will be there uh, because she was one of the ones who bequeathed all these amazing puppets into our museum. And they're going to talk all about what you can see in November and how this amazing new museum exhibit was developed. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and this has been, I mean, this has been like 10 years in the making. Yeah, uh, yeah, since, that's, uh, let, yeah. let me, once again, I, I keep interjecting here, but I, I no, want to put please. it over as, as the, the regular guy, average Joe. This is, first of all, it's historic for Atlanta, but second of all, uh, my family recently visited the center and we saw the construction outside. This is a massive piece of work going on, and you can go into the center right now and you can see the map of the future extension. And we're, we're talking about, I mean, this is a treasure trove of Henson history that has, what well, it's been in storage really forever now. Yeah, it's just been sitting in storage. And what's cool, what's really cool, one, th- one of the things they're going to talk about is they're going to share personal stories about like like imagine the Indiana Jones like crate vault right and you're like cra- like cra- like literally crowbarring open crates and like looking around inside and discovering things so this- and deciding what to put in the museum. This, that is literally what they did. This panel is literally a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to look at something that is going to be a historic part of Atlanta for decades and longer. That nobody else, you know, people are going to walk through this extension, this new exhibit, for for 100 years from now. Absolutely. But if you're at Dragon Con and attend this panel, you're going to get the story behind this and and people aren't going to hear this in person ever again yeah you're not you're not going to hear cheryl talk about this you're not going to hear karen who who and both of these you know both cheryl and karen were instrumental in developing this new exhibit you know this is their this is cheryl's family's legacy she picked a lot of the puppets that were going to be in the new exhibit um you know kelsey uh, is the one who designed all this stuff and did all did all this I mean, just insane amount of work. Um, Karen Falk, as the Henson archivist, was instrumental in, you know, deciding how things would be displayed in what context. Um, it's it's going to be uh, absolutely phenomenal, and uh, I, I, I we would very much like to uh, after the because unfortunately the expansion is not going to open in, until November, but I can say that I have absolute plans to work on something uh, similar to the aquarium experience in 2016 at the Center for Dragon Con attendees. Oh, wow. 
I'm already I'm already working on something for the Atlanta Film Festival, which happens in April. Sure. Uh, we're going to do something over because it'll be open by then, um, and we're going to do something over there then. But you dollars, you can put your money on the fact that there will be something exciting where you can come and see as part of Dragon Con what's going to be there. Oh my gosh, dude! In 2016. Wow. That's awesome. Opposite of that, you can join Madison <laughs> and do Marionettes 101 uh, back in the truck room. Uh, so if you're not interested, in, if you're not local, I mean, you know, if, if you're not local and you're not planning on coming to see the museum, uh, then you can totally come and see Madison and learn all about how Marionettes work, which are the hardest type of Marionette to master, or the, the hardest type of puppetry to master uh, and then from there we move on to Carol Spenny's first big panel it's called Carol Spenny Puppeteer 2.30 on Saturday it will be his career it'll cover all, all of his uh, life as a puppeteer Oh my gosh. obviously talk about Big Bird and Oscar um, that's that's the big guy um, directly after that we are at four o'clock. Well, and wait before for- before we get directly after that. Um, biographical panels are the fucking best. When you have a performer sitting down to talk about their life, about their journey, about how they got from you know where all of us started as little kids to yeah. being who they are now, those are the best panels I've ever seen. Because you get to share a journey with someone, you get to see the steps that they took to get where they are. It's every single time, whether it's Sylvester McCoy or Dean Cain or whoever, those biographical panels are the best. Totally. Resounding. Yeah. 2.30 Saturday. change, But probably not, because it's a large panel. Um, And that's the thing, like, most of the panels that I've mentioned are in big rooms. Um, it's, it's from what I was told, uh, the only other track that has more large room events this year than the puppetry track, we are second. We're in second place for having the most large room panels this year. I think the first, first place is American classic media, which as far as I understand is, Every movie or television show produced in America forever. Yeah, it's well, they're pretty much everything that's current. So I mean, those are right. So those are like what's going on right now. Right, they're your marquee guests because it's the things that the public is fixated on right now. So nobody is ever going to top those guys. The fact that the puppetry track is second to them is fantastic. That's crazy town. But it makes uh, sense because, like I said... Well, this year, yeah, this year it does make sense. It yeah. really does. We yeah. our, our guest list is phenomenally stellar. And, it and, is a total, it's a total departure from last year because it's weird because last year, my, my, you know, my revelation after the track last year, since it was, uh, you know, in, heavily involved with the uh, National Puppet Slam. Right. So my track was predominantly built around these Puppet Slam performers. 
who are more street level, you know, street level puppeteers. Our programming last year was fantastic. It was incredibly engaging, uh, and it wasn't, but it wasn't star studded. Right. It wasn't two years ago with the Fraggles. We didn't have a bunch of big names. It was just like really informative art form, practical knowledge. Well, the thing here's the thing, and and entertaining. Here's the thing we put on a show. Here's the thing with puppetry track, with a puppetry track, regardless of the name recognition that is present, you're getting an entertainer, a performer, somebody who has paid their dues, somebody who knows how to entertain people and somebody who has a craft like there, there's a level of artistry there that as much as I love any track you throw out there at dragon con, the puppetry track has a level of artistry, a level of craft, a level of love that will never be competed with by anyone else. So whether it's Carol Spinney or whether it's, you know, Mark Mears is a phenomenon, but Man on the Street doesn't necessarily know who Mark Mears is. But Man on the Street walks into a panel with Mark Mears or Lucky Yates or whoever performing, and they're going to be like, holy fuck, that was great. So it's all about the the skill and the entertainment value and the artistry. You're going to get you're, you're going to get your bang for your buck. No, if you, I, I you know if you come to the puppetry track, I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Absolutely. Um, and if you brought your own puppets to Dragon Con, then four o'clock on Saturday is the time because at four o'clock on Saturday it's tea time, and the craziest idea we ever had in the puppetry track lives on. It's the Magic Puppet Tea Party. Oh, and let me now, go ahead. Let me real quick. I want to give a shout out to a. Uh, uh, Awesome friend, a guy who has been a buddy of mine at conventions, uh, 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 a stand-up dude, uh, Brandon Nelson, and his puppet, Rex, uh, will be at the Puppet Tea Party, will be participating in probably 90% of the puppetry track, uh, a guy who crafted his, like, he's taught himself everything. I want to, Brandon... I just want to give a shout out to you and tell you you're a cool dude and I'm super stoked for all the stuff that you're going to get to take part in because of what you do with puppetry and like your uh the fact that you and other puppeteers who are up and coming are going to get to partake in this stuff in a way that I never will. All right, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, Brandon Nelson. Key, you guys listening, look for that name because he he will be you. You will see him. But the puppet tea party, I've heard magical things. The magic puppet tea party is magical. So you know, I talked about um, puppetry coaching and characterization. The magic puppet tea party was our first sort of like dipping our toe into. Maybe we should do something for the people who bring puppets to Dragon Con. Like, what can we do for them? Like, how do we do special programming just for those people who are, like, putting on their big boy pants or big girl pants and going to Dragon Con and walking around with a puppet? You know, how do we celebrate those people? 
how do we give them a unique experience? And the first thing we ever did was this sort of zany idea of the Magic Puppet Tea Party. Whereas in puppetry coaching and characterization, you're going to get one-on-one time with a professional puppeteer who's going to directly tell you, okay, so your so your focus is a little off and your lip sync is, you know, if you maybe if you just help your lip sync. Um, the Magic Puppet Tea Party is a non-academic, non-direct instructional way of learning. Because it's a social mixer for puppets. We will have a big, giant sign outside the door that says puppets only. You are not allowed inside the room if you do not have a puppet with you. Does everybody understand? Good. I understand. Well, this is not to say that this is like the toll. We, we, we are not interested in people buying... We, we, as much as we want you to buy puppet at DragonCon... This event is for people who brought their own puppets to Dragon Cup. Please, buy a puppet at the puppetry booth. Please, do that. Give puppeteers your money. But this event is specifically focused on people who brought their own puppets to Dragon Con. And we love the kids who come and, and, and get to run around with puppets and see all the, see all the other puppeteers. But the real, the real goal behind this event is to provide a social setting where amateur puppeteers can mingle with professional puppeteers and watch them interact in character with their puppets to learn effectively by osmosis. Well, and that's that's what we're after. And that's important and beautiful because I, sure you go buy a puppet and you, like as I've often said puppetry is a very universal thing. You 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 anybody can do entry level puppetry, it, but there is an art to being a puppeteer, and particularly to constructing a puppet. And I love that you have taken, like you've taken some time to focus towards those. Uh, and and again, going back to Brandon, this guy taught himself how to build a puppet, and that's to me, that's fucking crazy. And I love that you have focused towards these people who have taken this craft and have gone that one step further. And to me, they deserve to have their own thing when they've gone that extra length. Absolutely. Uh, this is for those people. Um, it is a tea party. There will be tables set up with tablecloths and little tiny adorable plastic tea sets on them. And it is a the the idea is that it is a social mixer for puppets, so that you can come and talk to it. That but your puppet can talk to other puppets and get out there and see the world. Um, and and ideally that you're learning from watching these professional puppeteers interact with your puppet character. Uh, it's it's super weird and the amazingly beautiful and wonderful talented Stacy Gordon is our mistress of ceremonies for the Magic Puppet Tea Party. I could never do this. Never do this without her. She and Claire, her puppet, uh, will be your host for the evening. And there will also be, you know, the the personal puppets of the professional puppeteers who are involved in the track. I'll be there. This will probably be the only time that maybe Carl makes an appearance besides the Puppet Slam. I then I uh, Carl generally shows up at the tea party and you know talks to talks to some other puppets. Um, 
So the Magic Bubba Tea Party is like, seriously, I have to say, it's one of the most weird, unique things that happens at Dragon Con, probably. The, the, the puppet social mixer. Um, but it is not, you know, you're not allowed in the room if you don't have a puppet. Well, That's and how let it me, is. Sorry. let me, uh, th- this will be interesting to get your input on this because, you know, having taken in a, a good number of panels from the puppetry track, having watched a, a number of puppet slams, puppet improv shows, um, I, I have been thoroughly entertained by a huge number of puppeteers. I respect the craft to an incredible degree, not only of being a puppeteer, but of being a craftsperson and building a puppet. But I feel like, and I was delighted that we were able to have her on the show last year, Stacy to me, is one of the most organic puppeteers I have seen in action. Just Stacey's amazing. The way that she builds a character and the way that, the way that she... Uh, I don't, I don't know the terminology, the way that she controls a puppet, the way that she runs a puppet. Uh, she seems to blend into the character uh, more so than anybody I've seen. And the, to have her running the puppet tea party, it, it, to me, is genius because she's, she's that bridge between puppeteer and puppet. She's a, a phenomenon. Uh, I, there's, uh, she has done a, a, an amazing photo shoot of her and Claire um, having a tea party to promote the event, and I, I've got to get it get it to you, Phantom. I'd love for you to include it in uh, in the post for this. For please this do, please do. Podcast. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, she, she. You know, if you, if you want to buy a puppet, buy one from Stacy in the booth. Um, you know, she she is a phenomenal puppet builder. Uh, all of her characters are adorable and instantly relatable like you're saying you know she she falls into them so easily um she's a a a fantastic builder and puppeteer which you know is is not what every puppeteer is um you know some puppeteers are only builders some puppeteers are only performers um she's she's the best of both worlds the Magic of a Tea Party I'm pleased to say is one of the most you know unique experiences that we offer I'm sad to say that, you know, if you don't have your own puppet, this event is not for you. But we have plenty of more events uh, in the puppetry track that are applicable for everybody. But please, you know, recognize that we do do some special things just for people who are also puppeteers. Directly after the Magic Puppet Tea Party, we're going to move into the Crips Puppet Show. So uh, in previous years, we've had a marionette cabaret. This year we have fewer marionette performers, and so Madison uh, J. Cripps will be doing effectively his own full show, which is going to be super amazing and hilarious. It is an all-ages show. Uh, it'll be the marionette show of the year. Please come and see it. Uh, after that, we've got Puppetry for TV and Film. Uh, this is a fancy way of, or actually a less fancy way, I guess, of saying it's our monitor workshop. Um that's the free, you know, what we say when we, we talk about the specific art form of puppeteering into the camera. Right. Uh, so which you, which you see what, what, what you see in the improv shows is what we will teach you in this panel. Um, there will be limited, extremely limited audience participation. This is one of our most popular panels that we ever do. Um, 
So we can't get everybody up on board, obviously, to do it. Uh, but a handful of people will be able to join the people up on stage and, and, and see what it's like to uh, puppeteer into the camera looking at the monitor and have everything be backwards and crazy. Just extremely difficult to, to get a hang on, but it takes practice. Um, after that, we've got Puppetry 101 for adults. So last year, we did Puppetry 101, and we got a lot of feedback through the app that said effectively – we loved Puppetry 101, but there were all these kids there, and we felt like that we as adults who were there to learn about puppetry got talked down to on account of the children that were there. Right, right. So this year we have decided to split Puppetry 101 into a kids event and an adults event. So this is the Puppetry 101 adults event. It doesn't mean that there's any adult puppetry going on. It just means that you get to learn puppetry without any kids there. Um, do not bring your kids to this panel. It is at 8.30 p.m., and it's, so it's a, after the 8 o'clock rule at DragonCon. Um, but this is specifically for all those people who said, hey, you know, I felt like to a degree that the instructor had to babysit the kids that were in the panel where I was trying to learn about puppetry. This is the panel for you. After Puppetry 101, we get into Foundations of Puppet Building. This will be B.J. Geyer, uh, and he will show you effectively exactly what it sounds like, the Foundations of Puppet Building. Uh, you will learn how to effectively build hand-and-rod puppets, which is what we call Muppet-style puppets, uh, and it, it will be very informative. You'll learn all about, so we're not doing puppetry um, puppets, puppets on a budget this year with Kathleen, so this is your entry-level uh, puppet-building uh, panel for everybody. After that, a super exciting panel uh, called How Did We Do That? This panel is one of the other ones. It's a lot like Leslie's that I'm very excited about. This one is going to be led by Tyler Bunch. Uh, Tyler is one of those Sesame Street puppeteers. He's worked on all the Muppet movies. He's, been, he's sort of been involved in everything. Uh, he, he's one of the teacher, he's one of my, uh, teachers at the O'Neill. What he's going to do is he's going to show a clip or clip. He's going to show clips from Muppet movies or Muppet, uh, or other puppet related, uh, television projects that he's been a part of that are the really technical stuff. So for example, he's going to show, uh, the Muppets riding bicycles scene. He's going to show the scene, and then he's going to say, all right, here's how we did it. And he's going to tell the audience how all those really crazy, complicated puppet scenes, like Kermit's playing the banjo on a log in the middle of a swamp. How did they do that? And he will tell you how they did that. It's, it's really amazing. And what's really exciting, too, is that on uh, the first new Muppet movie, he was actually the director of, of puppet choreography. So all the really, so this is his, this is like his wheelhouse. All of the really complicated puppet moves and how do you shoot them and make them a movie and make them work and look good. That's what he did. So he's the guy. Very exciting. After that, we move into Puppets in Motion Pictures, which is our, uh, one o'clock in, one o'clock in the morning, uh, puppet film screening. 
these films, unlike the previous one, which was mostly, which was all films that were in the Atlanta Film Festival, these will be like shorts, commercials, um, you know, whatever it is built uh, from the actual puppeteers that are part of the track. So all the little commercials and short films and whatever that BJ and Tyler and Pam and, and Leslie, all of them have worked on in their careers, we're going to collect all those and show them uh, in this thing. So lots of really cool, super fun things to watch. And that brings us to the end of Saturday. Sunday, we start things off uh, with a very interesting panel called So You Want to Build a Blank. This is a panel that uh, that will effectively be a Q&A. You wa- you'll have a panel of brilliant puppet builders up on, up on stage, and you can walk into that panel and say, I'm part of this organization. We need a puppet uh, that does this. And they w- you have a panel of experts to answer any and all questions you have about how to build whatever. Um, it's effectively like, if you've ever wanted to know how to build anything, come to this panel. Opposite of that panel is the My Corner and the Tommy Wami Puppet Show. So this is uh, not the same show that we saw two years ago, because there's been two whole years of Doctor Who since then. So a brand new uh, Tammy Wami puppet show, every single character uh, built and voiced by the phenomenally talented Mike Corner. It'll have Peter Capaldi puppets, it'll have uh, all the new Doctor Who stuff in it. Please go see the show, unless you want to know how to build something, then obviously go see the panel. After that, we dive directly into uh, our super exciting Steve Whitmire programming. So for those of you who don't know who Steve Whitmire is, he has played Kermit the Frog uh, since we lost Jim Henson. He's played, taken over a lot of uh, Jim Henson's characters, in addition to an extremely prolific career uh, before he inherited those characters, as well as afterwards. His first panel will be uh, a panel between him and Carol, specifically about what it was like working on Sesame Street while Jim was still alive. Um, I don't know what else to say. It's a once in a life once in a lifetime lifetime opportunity to hear to legends uh, in their field uh, talk about very specific time in their careers. I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, after that, we have costuming for puppets. Uh, so it's a, it'll, I think it'll be cross-promoted with the, with the costuming track. So you've got to build, and this is something I struggle with all the time, personally. I build a puppet. Crap, they need clothes. Uh, what do you do? Uh, so this, this panel will tell you all about how to make uh, all of your puppets look even better than they already do uh, with fabulous costumes. Uh, then we have sweet Steve Whitmire's Muppet uh, panel, his first Muppet panel. This one is specifically about Steve's work with the Muppets prior to the Disney acquisition of the Muppets. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, absolutely cool. Uh, really exciting because he, you know, he was involved with the Muppets for years and years and years and years and years before that ever happened. Uh, after that, uh, we've got found object puppetry. This one is specifically not so much focused on minimalism, uh, found object puppetry, which is like, okay, this stapler or this pair of scissors is a character, much more about, okay, how do you build humanoid characters out of objects that are readily available? So how to build puppets out of found objects, as opposed to turning found objects into characters. 
Right. Uh, after that is the second of Steve of Steve Whitmire's Muppet panels. This one is about the Muppets post Disney. So uh, since so this is about what uh, his career has been like since Disney purchased the Muppets uh, and all the projects he's been involved with since then, including the new The Muppet series on ABC. Uh, this panel will also include Debbie McClanahan, who is the vice president of the Muppets at Disney. This is a pretty big deal. Uh, uh, Steve is actually the reason that Steve is only involved in programming on uh, Sunday and Monday is that he will be flying directly from L.A. during the filming of the new season to come to drag. Well, and that's an important thing to point out is that he is part of a legacy. I mean, this isn't, you know, when, when you voice a Muppet, this is not the sort of thing where, oh, in this movie it was one guy and in another movie it was another guy and in the TV show it was another guy. He is the modern Kermit the Frog. Absolutely. If, if you see Kermit on the screen, if it's not Jim Henson, it's Steve Whitmire. Absolutely. And that, that, and that was Jim's choice. Um, you know, when, when things started, you know, going the way they were looking, uh, you know, Jim, and I'm sure this will, you know, I'm sure that Steve will talk about all this in this panel, and it's not my place to talk about it necessarily. But, you know, it wasn't like a decision that was made by other people. This was a decision that Jim made that Steve would inherit Jim's characters. So, um, it, it, as far as us in the puppetry community, you know that that means something that that you don't have, uh, and it's something that, that that meant something to the Muppets and and that Disney seems to be uh, understanding is that Kermit exists. Part of the idea of the Muppets, you know, is that Kermit exists in our real world. He's a celebrity, um, and 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 a lot of the stuff, you know, like especially the, you know this whole like Kermit and Piggy are officially split. You know, that is playing specifically into this idea that, that Kermit and Piggy exist in our world. Right. Um, as, as actors, as, as celebrities. Um, and part of that idea has always been that you can't see Kermit in two places at the same time. So the idea of having more than one person play Kermit and having him be at a, you know, ribbon cutting ceremony in Ohio and being part of the Muppets Disney show in Orlando at the same time goes against that idea. Um, so thankfully, uh, Disney seems to be on board with that idea. Uh, and, and Steve can tell you, you know, that's what, what he's going to talk about, what it's been like since the Disney acquisition and, and, uh, what it was like making the new movies and, and talking uh, specifically about the new series. So we're going to get to, I know there was a big Muppets to do uh, about the new show at Comic-Con, but that was uh, predominantly before a lot of the new series was filmed. And uh, we will have Steve during that process. So hopefully he'll be able to share and Debbie will be able to share uh, little some tidbits about what, what the process is like and, uh, and, and all that. So we're really excited. Uh, after that, we have uh, Extreme Puppet Makeover. This is the third event that's spe specifically designed for people who brought their own puppets to Dragon Con. 
puppet coaching characterization is about, hey, let's get into the character of that puppet. This is much more about building. This is nuts and bolts. Um, this is where we're going to, it's going to be the same format. You're going to break into small groups with professional puppeteers, and they will politely ask you, do you mind if I put my hand in your puppet? Uh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, you don't just do that. You don't yeah, just right, do that. Right, right, right. And they're going to reach in there and then be like, okay, I see what you're doing in here. Um, have you thought about this? Uh, I like how your arm rods work. Um, if you did this to them, uh, you'd get a little more movability out, the, out of them. Um, this is a specific uh, building fabrication one-on-one opportunity. So if you want you know, tips and techniques and, and some positive criticism about the way your, your personal puppet that you built has been done from professionals, bring your puppet. Let's do this, right? At that point, our track shuts down. We lock the doors, uh, and on the other side of those doors, we are preparing for the puppet slam. It takes three, four hours for us to get that insane show together for you. Uh, you will see us again at midnight <laughs> when we uh, do the biggest, one of the biggest events of the convention, and we do the Dragon Con Puppet Slam. This will be the only event other than the Magic Tea Party, potentially when uh, Carl shows up, that the Sci-Fi Janitors will be at. We are not doing a Sci-Fi Janitors panel this year. Um, I'm sad to say that uh, because due to just life, uh, between you know my uh, work responsibilities and fatherhood responsibilities and Matt's responsibilities, um, we are not available. Uh, we just haven't been able to, to produce new episodes of the Sci-Fi Janitors. So uh, Matt will be there. Matt Nietzsche and Bob will be there at the Puppet Slam. We will still host the Puppet Slam like we've always done since the very beginning. Um, but we will not be doing our own panel um, and our contribution this year to DragonCon TV will be reruns. Um, it'll be a best of sort of selection, but we do not have new material. Um, we just haven't had uh, the time to get together, sadly. Um, we'll see what happens in the future. But uh, Bob and Carl will be back to host the Puppet Slam. And the Puppet Slam will be built around, you know, obviously all the incredible, amazing talent that we have in, in the track this year. Uh, that is not to mean that Steve Whitmire will be doing a Puppet Slam piece. I highly doubt it. Although, if you want to see it on stage, I will not tell him no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we, uh, you know, the reason they call it Dragon Con is because, uh, you know, on Monday you be Dragon. Um, on Monday, we will have a double long panel. Uh, so that means that the panel will be twice as long and will not clear in the middle. It'll run straight through the two hours, and uh, there'll be another Steve Whitmire panel uh, that will involve uh, just all of his fantasy film works and his television films. So we're talking Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, uh, all of the TV show things that he worked on. Um, so this is basically everything besides the typically working on the Muppets. Well, and that's an important note about Steve is, yes, he is Kermit the Frog, but he has a legacy prior to that of of work in puppetry 
that is fascinating and and that is long lived. He has a lot to share besides just Absolutely. being Kermit now. You know, there's a reason that that Jim picked him. Right. You know, it was it wasn't because he was like the fresh kid off the street. You know, like he had he had been there and then had been part of the Muppets for a really long time. Um. So if you want to know all about the rest of Steve's stuff besides all the Muppet stuff you saw on Sunday, this is the chance to do that. Then we get into our Puppetry 101 for kids. So, uh, you, you know, the kids weren't allowed to come to the adult thing. Uh, not that it was adult, but it was just, you know, more for that. If you, if you want to bring your kids and have them learn all about, you know, basic intro to puppetry, this is the time to do it. And then we end off the track at the very end with So You Want to Be a Puppeteer. So hopefully you've, you've witnessed the track. You've gotten excited about the art form of puppetry. And it feels only fitting to have our last thing be, so, okay, so now what? So, okay, congratulations. We're awesome, and we've made you obsessed with puppetry. What's the next thing that you do? Uh, this is where you'll learn about that. You will have Pam Marciero, who is the artistic director of the O'Neill Puppetry Conference, which is where I go to hone my craft. She'll tell you all about that program. We're going to talk about Puppeteers of America, which is our uh, United States organization for puppeteers. We're going to talk about UNUMA. We're going to talk about UNUMA USA. We're going to talk about UNUMA, which is the international puppetry organization. We're going to talk about University of Connecticut's graduate uh, puppetry program, which we had many uh, students of uh, at DragonCon last year. Uh, we'll have some representatives from that organization there to talk to you all about that. So that'll be all about like, okay, so cool. We've got you interested in puppetry. Now what's your next step? How do you learn? What are the steps you take to become an actual puppeteer? What are the opportunities available to you uh, in order to help you achieve your goals? And then we're done. That, that's I gotta, track. I got to say that's a great way to wrap up because it does, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, while, while I have not had a full weekend of puppetry I can tell you that it starts off with, wow, this is incredible. It's interesting to see where it all is into the craftsmanship. I think it's very clever the way that you have panels, uh, when you have had to double up, uh, double up. You have had, this is an entertainment panel where you're going to see a show. And the other option is a craftsmanship panel where you learn the art and the craft. So, you yeah. you've offered Thanks. you you've well you've managed to split it up to where I think you do have you know if somebody could see it all they would but you have managed to split it to where you, you've got people who want to observe and people who want to learn. When it's hard, even 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 not just dealing with uh, you know, okay, people are going to be in this panel. You know, when you've got things like Steve Whitmire, the the time before that panel, the whole hour before that panel is people getting in line for that panel. Right. Which means they, they won't even be able to go see the panel in the track room that happens in the slot before that panel because they're busy getting in line. There was actually a situation in scheduling where we had two different Steve Whitmire panels back to back. And the problem with that is, is that if you got into that first panel, you would not have the opportunity to get in line for the second panel. Right. Because that line would be full. So you would have to choose. 
And, and you couldn't get in line for the second panel if you were in the first one. So you would have to choose between the two. And so I had the hard choice of saying, okay, I've got to take these two panels and split them. And I've got to put something in between. So, like, for example, found object puppetry. I, I had to choose the, the, one of the, pa- one of the, the panels that I have that is least like hand and rod puppetry. Right. To say, okay, well, I, I really hope that there, you know, the, the, the puppet fans, there's going to be some people who are like, okay, this is what I'm interested in. Uh, I'm not necessarily interested in all the Muppet stuff. You know, I'm much more interested in, like, the actual nitty-gritty of puppetry rather than maybe the celebrity of puppetry. Um, and, and, and I'm going to go do that. You know, so that was – those were really tough choices, like how to schedule things around not even just, okay, well, this is the opposite of this panel, but this is this is happening during this other panel that people are going to be getting in line for. Well, and that's but, – but I think – the patrons of Dragon Con, the attendees, we all know that they're just sacrifices you have to make. Uh, and, and I think you've done a good job of balancing them because you, you have certain situations where, like with the Venture Brothers panel, which is immensely popular and I try and make every year, if, if you go to the Venture Brothers panel, chances are you're not going to be able to go to the Venture Brothers signing afterwards. Right. Because, you know, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public get rushed across the hall to another room, but you are the panel people, and, you know, there's a whole other line that's been waiting exactly. for the that's signing. Already, that's, that's already that people have been in line for an hour right. for. So you yeah. just, you know, that that's how it is. And I, I think to take those things into consideration, you've done a very good job. Um, obviously, well, that's the thing. I mean, like, we, we care. I mean, this, the puppetry track, we do care. One of the things that we pride ourselves on is that, you know, when we have big line events, we have people out at, out entertaining that line with puppets. Yes. There will be people running up and down that line. Madison will be there. We'll have famous, you know, famous puppeteers out there with their puppets from television, you know, like entertaining that line. That is what we do. We 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 totally get the fact that you are willing to get in a line two hours before a panel that we're doing and that matters to us. And we will, we want to make sure that, that those people know that we appreciate that. And we're going to be out there showing them that. Any last thoughts to uh, put over the puppetry track? I I think we've covered pretty much everything. Uh, It's a big year. You know, Cheryl Henson, Steve Whitmire, Carol Spinney, Karen Falk, uh, Tyler Bunch, Pam Sierra. I mean, we, Leslie getting Leslie back. We have a phenomenal lineup this year, uh, you know, and then we've, you know, fan favorites back with, with Mike after, you know, being gone for a year. Uh, Madison's always a crowd pleaser. Stacy, of course, amazing. The Magic Puppet Tea Party is, is, is a phenomenon. Um, it's, we have a lot brought to the table this year. Um, we, we have some of the biggest guests in the entire convention this year. Um, and I'm just so proud, uh, and I'm so uh, lucky to to have the opportunity to work with with organizations like Henson Studio. Um, and we still have a couple other things we haven't even announced yet. Not necessarily guests, but um, we've got some maybe like uh, material things that we're going to be able to provide for people. Um, I guess that's super vague, but I can't really <laughs> say a whole lot about it more. Um, 
We're working on basically, okay, well, I can say we're working on something very similar to the Fraggles print that we did. Oh, that was yeah, the original yeah. Michael Frith art that yes. said like Dragon Con. Uh, working on something similar because it's actually a, a Henson company anniversary. So we're working on getting some art together that'll be, you know, like Dragon Con 2015 with the Henson art. Um, that'll be a great thing. Like, you know, here's a print that you can get and have everybody uh, that's, you know, Henson related at, at the convention this year to sign. Right. Great, you know, memento for everybody. I, you know, th- those items that I have are my prized possessions. You know, like I have them framed up in, in my house. Uh, you know, my Michael Frith art is a treasure. Um, so we're going to have something cool like that too for fans this year. Very cool. Well, uh, the puppetry, the puppetry track offers something that is unique. Uh, and at the same time, as I've said many times before, pervasive into all genres, uh, everybody can appreciate what the puppetry track has to offer and the, the skills, the artistry involved in it. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and I'm, you guys do have a big year. There, there's a lot of huge stuff here. And anybody listening, I encourage you at least make some time on Friday to check out a puppetry panel. Do it early because once you see one, you're going to be wanting to see more. You're going to be curious about the art. You're going to want to talk to these people and see these people. Uh, you know, early in your schedule, put it in there in the DragonCon app, uh, the Pocket Program, whatever your method is, mark something in there and check it out early. Now, where can the average Joes, aside from the app or the program, where can we follow the puppetry track? Well, we do have a website. It hasn't been up- updated yet with our current guest list and uh, programming, but it is forthcoming. You can check that out. Uh, you can also join, we have a Facebook group, uh, Dragon Con Puppetry Track, where we do a sort of mix of communicating with our fans and also sort of like internal work. The, the the group actually you know started out as sort of like an internal thing and then right. kind of blossomed into a, a community thing. Um, but if you have any questions about the track, please post them there. Uh, send the track a message. Uh, send me a message. Whatever, I'm happy to answer. Whatever. Um, we have a great track to share. I want to make a you know a fantastic experience for the fans. That's what it's all about. Um, so get in touch with me. Let me know if you want to volunteer in the merch booth. Please do that. Uh, we're always looking for people to help. You know, our, our pros, uh, you know, they don't get free hotel rooms necessarily or um, free travel like our guests do. So we have, you know, an incredibly talented team of pros that are really the workhorses of the track. Madison, Matt Laird, St- uh, Stacey Gordon. Um, we, we and, and those people are selling their goods in yeah. that booth, and that's what helps pay uh, for them to attend. Buy puppets. Uh, so buy puppets. Buy, buy shirts. Buy puppets. Buy 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 puppets. Buy cool little stuff um, that they've they've got for sale. That really 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 helps me bring these extra people who are phenomenally talented, but don't necessarily have like the TV and movie credits that a lot of other guests have. Well, awesome, Bo. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about your your passion, uh, the puppetry track. Thank you for the puppetry Absolutely. track. And, uh, man, I, I guess I'll see you in a couple of weeks at Dragon Con. See you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, man. All right, Phantomaniacs. I'm going to tell you a little secret. That interview, that conversation, actually 
took over four hours because Bo kept dropping out. Uh, it was not awesome. So there were about eight pieces of audio that I had to put together. And also I made the poor, we both made the poor decision to, over the course of that four, four and a half hours, to continue drinking. As you may or may not have been able to tell, I waited until after the episode was over to mention that because, hey, maybe some of you didn't pick up on it. Maybe some of you aren't listening now. Maybe some of you figured it out a long time ago and were like, I'm not listening to this. It was still a good interview and it was still a lot of fun. Always happy to have Bo on the show talking about the puppetry track. Ladies and gentlemen, Dragon Con is in just a couple of days. Go to your Dragon Con app, look in attendees for Phantom Troublemaker, send me a friend request, uh, add my panels to your schedule. They're all in there. Can't go over them again, but I can say Saturday night, 10 p.m., the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. Check out NeedlessThingsSite.com for all the nerd stuff you need. Um, iTunes, Stitcher download stuff and we are a proud part of the ESO network who were on last week's episode so you might want to check that out I'm, I'm tired I gotta go to bed I gotta work and then I've got to pack and then I've got to go downtown to Dragon Con you guys if you see me there say hi come to the Needless Things meet up at the Hilton Pool Sunday at 8pm come to all my panels seriously or at least just find me and say hi to me cause you know what I'll be happy to see you because I love you guys. That's it. Dragon Con! This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.